0: Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy, you have been
1: warned.
2: jennifer albright
1: and i'm tim heiderick
2: today we have another guest for you uh before we get into it i would like to shout out another new patron dario thank you so much for supporting the show we really appreciate it if you'd like to ju-
1: dario argento holy
0: shit. yes
2: i'm glad it's not wow. i'm glad it's not ozzy argento because that would be kind of awkward you know with the whole yeah uh, well we won't go into it um but yes dario argento thank you for supporting have you seen this the man obviously recognizes what? quality.
1: Yeah, yeah. Game recognized game. <laughs>
2: um, today we're talking about a fun one, but uh, let me introduce our guest first. Matthew J.
3: Hello.
2: Matt, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm a fan of the show, so I'm glad to talk Thank to you. Thank you
2: very much. Yes, uh, we're really glad to have you. Um, it's it's It feels strange to have, like... Fans of the show,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, listening to it ourselves, we're like, I can't see anyone liking this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, who, mm-hmm. who, who, who this is, it's like a pleasant surprise,
2: bullshit? must be some idiot, but
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have nothing but contempt for people who are who are fans of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what do we have for this episode, Jen?
2: Well, um, before we get into that, um, Matt, you're um, Mr. Matt J on Twitter, and uh, I think you are. A, uh, you're a bit of a podcast mogul, are you not?
3: Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I do too many podcasts, but it's just out of like, uh, I, I watch too much weird shit, and, uh, I don't often, like, it's hard to get people in Los Angeles into a room specifically to talk about a thing you're obsessed with unless you're recording it and they can promote it. Like, that's it's, I, I do it out of necessity to, like, spend more time with my friends in a weird way.
2: It's true. Um, yeah, that, we we had to do. That's we, a great strategy. We had to do some maneuvering to get um, this particular group together tonight, but we're making it happen. Um, and it's all yeah. You guys live
3: about. on the west side, which might as well be like in another country. You live yeah, so far away. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Do you want to drive thing. the forty-five minutes to
1: <laughs> get somewhere that's eight miles away? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, like nah, nah. Yeah, the LA LA thing
2: it. is like. Anywhere you go in the city, you set aside at least an hour, and yeah. you know then you start asking yourself, you know, about your friends who are living on, you know, the east side or the west side. It's like, you know, do I like? Do I even like these people that much? And <laughs> and I how badly do town? I want to be there? Yeah. Mm,
1: how bad is parking? Like, uh, let's see, if I get there after eight, then you know the meters are fine. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well,
2: and so like you'll have friends who will move to the other side of town, and then you won't see them for a decade. It's mm-hmm. just that's yeah. just
1: LA. Yeah. This is this is really more a conversation for uh the documentary Los Angeles plays itself, but uh oh, I love that yeah, movie. We,
3: <laughs> I moved to yeah. Los Angeles like to I so I heard about that movie and uh mm-hmm. how it it only played in theaters for so long cuz they couldn't get it out uh, because of the the movie rights and they finally released it and I was like I know within the next several years I will live in Los Angeles and I saved it until I lived here. And one of the very first things I did was watch it here, and it felt, it really made me feel like I was home. Like, that movie is really important to me, because I had heard about it for so long, and then I made myself wait for it, and then I experienced it, and it's fantastic. Yeah, then you can really relate to it on a whole other level. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think it's it's also important, because um, in Los Angeles, there's such a tendency to erase history. Um I think that in Los Angeles, like, a lot of time people don't really care as much about, like, the historical buildings and stuff. I mean, like, you know, what they did to the Brown Derby is they're just like, well, you know, let's just take the, the dome of the hat and we'll put it on top <laughs> of a strip mall, you know, stuff like that. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, you got to put the 110 somewhere. So <laughs> this, this neighborhood's got to go. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> so to have a movie like Los Angeles plays itself where um, all these things are documented and they also talk about some really, some kind of obscure movies like, you know, Killer Sheep and stuff like that Um, and the Exiles which touch on huge portions of the city that just don't fucking exist anymore but yeah. I don't know, Tim, should mm-hmm. we you know re-record even... that episode? <laughs> uh,
1: sh- sure, yeah. Um, uh, I'll actually try and prepare for that one. Uh, you know you know what's worse, though, than Urban Blight, though, is the suburbs and the uh, terrible, monstrous
3: things that go on there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of David Lynch movies lately, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but maybe I'll leave it to our guests to let us know what we're talking about. What are we talking about, Matt?
3: This is Terror Vision. Uh, so I, I I got really into your podcast because I am kind of obsessed with obscure media. And I sent you a huge mm-hmm. list of things that I liked. Uh, and, and I keep watching things where I'm like, oh, I should have told her about this. one. Oh, Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> directed by Joe Dante. Is so good. Uh, but uh, Terror Vision is one of my favorite 80s horror movies. It's about... Uh, it's ostensibly about a monster that comes out of the TV, but thematically it's about how, like, TV can ruin your brain and how you can get fried, and it's the most 80s movie in the world, which I like. It's got that Back to the Future quality where it feels like they were making a period piece while in the period, like, intentionally referencing MTV, uh, the uh, Jonathan Grease character, everything about him, like, 80s hair metal kind of thing. Yeah. the, uh, the daughter, who is just this Cyndi Lauper teen person. And then also, like, the gro- when swinging... Like, swinging is such a 60s, 70s thing. Uh, like, I just watched uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, and that's like the ultimate swinging movie. In the 80s, it was, like, gross now. <laughs> like, it's not fun and interesting. It's a thing that, like, your dumb parents do, and it's annoying when they do it. Like, the kids are more sex positive than their swinging parents and and it, it's about a bunch yeah, of cool yeah. stuff that i just i love this movie so much
2: yeah let's not forget about also the themes of just how utterly depraved uh the suburban landscape is
1: yes yes yeah. well I, I saw it as uh raising an unruly child but that's the great thing about this movie is that there's a lot of layers to it
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that full moon touch that's that charles band touch i think yeah, and yeah.
2: this is pure, um, like, it sounds bad to say this is pure schlock, but, you mm-hmm. know, I'm meaning it in a positive I think context. that's the ultimate
3: compliment for a movie. Like, if someone's like, oh, this movie is schlock, I'm like, well, I gotta watch it then.
2: Yeah, yeah. because, I, it. Um, like, I, as you said... I might
3: be splitting hairs, but I don't know if
1: it's schlock so much as it's camp.
2: That's... Uh, wasn't I think there it's big, both. Wasn't there a big yeah? debate <laughs> on Twitter about... Uh, what is camp in the wake of the met gala
1: yeah oh yeah i mean i could yeah i could be splitting hairs incorrectly as well but so. no i think you're
2: true because like um i think camp in the era that we're living in now you know 30 or 30 some years after this movie come out has 30 some years after this movie came out camp is becoming exceptionally rare um and, well,
1: there is sort of a lightheartedness to it. Yeah, and mm-hmm.
2: that's, that's not really something that you see a lot these days, at least not in a camp context.
3: Especially you not in a like a monster movie. Like, I feel like if this movie no. was made today, they'd try and make it like It or Stranger Things, like it's a scared kid. But this movie is like people are getting murdered and liquefied, and there's a horrible, <laughs> scary monster and a weird alien guy. But it's so it feels more like, like Night of the Comet or that kind of uh, tone. yeah Yeah.
2: and um like the the trend nowadays is and i think it's driven by um you know companies like netflix um and you know the massive conglomerates now that are even less willing to take risks than they Mm -hmm. were like a few decades ago so they tend to bank on already existing properties um so you'll have like either stranger things which deals in pure nostalgia or it which is a reboot of an existing property mm-hmm. so you're not you're not freaking the audience out too much by you know with a novel concept um now going back to the the schlock versus camp thing uh the reason that i i use the term schlock is because um this did have a theatrical release but it is very much of that era of um you know video horror releases mm-hmm. uh, Video nasties, direct video horror, uh, stuff like that, um, that was the stock and trade of the company that made this, uh, Empire Pictures, um, which was run, uh, which was started by Charles Band. And uh, Tim and I know a little bit about. Charles Band, because we're very familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, he only makes band movies. <laughs> uh.
2: Can I say my favorite, uh, one of my favorite MST jokes without having to put money in the jar?
1: No, you're going to have to put money in the jar, but do it anyway. <laughs> okay, well,
2: I'll take it out of the Patreon money. Um, one of my favorite yeah. Charles Band MST jokes is at the beginning of, I think it's Laser Blast, when. Uh, Tom Servo looks at the credits and says, ah, the Charlie Daniels Band is now the Charles Band. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love
3: that episode. That's, yeah, that's a classic Charles Band movie, Laser Blast.
2: But, yeah, uh, yeah Matt, can you name some other uh, Charles Band classics since you seem knowledgeable about it?
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. He gifted to us? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I mean, he's he's notable as a director and a producer. As a producer, I think his biggest films are probably Reanimator. Uh, uh, directed by Stuart Gordon, which is mm-hmm. just one of the best movies ever made. Uh, from Beyond, also from the same director, that's fantastic. Uh, but he directed mm-hmm. the Puppet Master films. I'm sure you're yes. familiar with those, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he produced uh, Head of the Family, which is uh, I, I. It's. It doesn't say what it's about in the title, but when you watch it, you're like, oh, the title is exactly what it's about uh and uh another classic of his is uh, Castle Freak. I think those ones I just listed, everyone watch all those movies as soon as possible cuz I just that's <laughs> that's a great 24-hour horror uh horror marathon right there.
2: And I should so, say yeah. that um Charles Band has close to 300 producer <laughs> credits on IMDb. <laughs> um he started Empire Pictures because he wanted to kind of um you know do his own uh, distribution. He saw that there was a big market for the kind of uh, horror films like Puppet Master and, and Terror Vision and such. Mm. He's um, one of the
3: biggest names in the video boom that you mentioned. Like he was like when you there's a great documentary called Rewind This uh, that he's mentioned in many times because like when you went to, you know, your local mom and pop video store and you were looking down the horror aisle and just seeing these movies that you're like, I've never even heard of this. What the hell is this? <laughs> you were just seeing his name everywhere because he just, like you said, he just churned movies out. And uh, not all of them are great, but some of them are are real gems.
2: Well, here at Have you seen this? We always give people credit for simply getting a movie made mm-hmm. because that's yeah, hard and as part shit. Of it- <laughs>
1: Yeah, and part of it, too, is that, you know, some of them maybe hits or misses, but after you develop, you know, a, a body of work, people kind of start to pick up on, you know, themes or stylistic choices or maybe actors that you work with, and those kind of start to uh, sustain you know, your career as well, because people kind of become familiar with, like, you know, you, be, you become a known quantity, and they go, oh, this has this particular style that I like. Mm-hmm. Like, people can start to develop a taste for it.
2: yeah. And um, I think that they had some success in particular with with Puppet Master because that became like a whole franchise. Um, I think that I haven't looked into in detail, but I believe that Empire Pictures got into some financial difficulties. um, You don't say. (laughs) In the late 80s, and they were absorbed by... um, I don't remember the film company, but it was uh, Edward Sarlouis' company. Um, He made, among other things, the wonderful Warrior of the Lost World, starring the delightful Robert Ginty. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, then Band went on to form uh, Full Moon Pictures. Mm. Epic um,
3: entertainment, I believe it was. That's yes, thank you. Here. Yeah.
2: Um, so suffice to say that uh, you know Charles didn't let uh, any, the financial problems uh, keep him down. He's just, he's just kept cranking them out. Lord bless him. And uh, occasionally gave us gems like Terror Vision.
1: Yeah, and Terror Vision too. I think getting back to what we're uh, we're saying earlier about it being a um, like a, a recreation of or like a, a period picture of something that's taking place at that same moment, um, it, it does feel like this kind of distilled cheesy '80s artifice. That um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's tough to convey exactly.
3: Um, uh, I know the what perfect the, place to convey is? that yeah. the the backyard. Yeah. When they go into the backyard and the sky is just like it looks like black construction paper with like little <laughs> lights on it. I I love that yeah. backyard set so much because I'm like this isn't even pretending to be a movie. This is like it does yeah. it's, or it's only a movie. Like it knows you don't think it's a real thing, and that also kind of makes it a better comment on the media of the time of like satellite television, television, the rise of cable, and pay. I mean, they would say back then they said pay TV. Now we no no one pays for anything but uh but that's that was yeah. the threat uh i just watched matinee and there's a sign in matinee that's like that's like uh fight pay tv like people were very against the idea of paying for television because it was this free service forever you know it's 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 like paying i guess we do pay for water uh air it's like paying for air i guess yeah. <laughs>
2: It's baseball City. Um, yeah, n- yeah. No, like, so, um, yeah,
3: and that that backyard too.
1: I mean, it, it's as artificial as like Diva's uh, Whippet video. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's that <laughs> same aesthetic where it's just like, hey, everything's fake, and you know, nothing matters, just
3: whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's in the s- acting too. They have these very cartoony performances. These like, hey, we're going out tonight. Hey, make stay inside. Like the they talk. They're not they're not acting like real people in this movie at all.
2: No. Well, I mean, you could say that the characters are like fairly broad humorous stereotypes. Um, A note about the Mm -hmm. set is, um, interestingly, this movie was actually shot in Italy on, (laughs) um, as you've remarked on studio sets, which, you know, ended up benefiting the movie because, you know, it it contributed to that feeling of of artificiality. But it it is kind of funny Mm -hmm. to be making a movie about American crassness in Italy.
1: Yeah, it just has that same sort of artificial, tacky, kind of 80s aesthetic, too. And I don't know if that was a particular 80s thing. I mean, I know that um, culturally, what is it that uh, every every decade seems to reference whatever was popular about 30 years ago for some reason, which is why, like, the 50s were so popular in the
3: 80s. Yeah, the Muppet and Babies it, theme and uh, that kind of thing. Tom and Jerry Kids theme. <laughs> like, we were all about doo-wop in the mid to late 80s for some reason, and now we're about the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well now our time to shine. Yeah, um, we're getting into the 90s stuff uh, though. We're all we're all getting old. 90s is uh, is old time. You know, we got that Rocco special and uh the Zim one is out now too, which is getting too too much In my childhood is now the nostalgia and it's bumming me out. Yeah, I'm going to have
1: to to dust off my flannel and mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah, get get back to being mopey again. Um but yeah, yeah. So I think that part of the, uh, you know, part of the artificiality feeds into that uh, 50s fixation from the 80s, which again, it's just like, well, I don't, where does it all end? Um, in, in terms of uh, uh, just like layers upon layers of, of media influences mm-hmm. that then sort of are, are responsible for this movie. Um, and, and it kind of in that same notion, like, we're recording a podcast about, you know, sort of weird cheesy movies. And we're covering a movie in which they're watching, like, cheesy, obscure movies, so well, <laughs> that was just kind of a weird little Eroboros moment for me.
2: Yeah, because, um, I mean, there there is a little bit of foreign language programming on the um, possessed satellite TV that they partake of, but it also seems to have a lot of 1950s monster movies.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. robot monsters on
2: there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and they're watching a, a an an Elvira or Vampira esque character, Medusa.
1: Yeah, like I was just from the aesthetic alone, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I should be watching with this with Elvira, and then they have their Elvira analog, Medusa, show mm-hmm. up, who actually has a, a a somewhat prominent role in the movie. She is somewhat
2: prominent, yes.
1: Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: those look those looked painful to me. <laughs> They are you know, they are aggressively strapped up.
1: Art is suffering, Jen. Uh, apparently, because <laughs> yeah. like
2: on top of uh, like on top of having her her tits pushed up to her chin, she's wearing a corset, which is <laughs> shooting. We gotta make cool. room. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what yeah. they did—the corset just pushes all the flesh up to your chest and gives you bigger boobs. That's how corsets work. Yeah. That's why chicks who go to Renaissance festivals love them so much.
1: <laughs> right. Just puts all the all the squishy bits where you want it. Um, <laughs>
2: um, but um, do we want to um, do we want to describe the plot at all? It's it's a fairly simple story.
1: Yeah, the plot is is not complicated or confusing. I mean, it is direct and and it's a fun ride.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more yeah. of an ensemble uh, character piece than the plot mattering. The plot is that. This alien uh, was was getting rid of his garbage, which had a giant monster in it. And the way I guess his planet gets rid of their garbage is they fire it off as uh, as like uh, te- a television, like a signal. Uh, and it ended up, fl- yeah, which they is also an episode of Megas XLR, energy. the cartoon on Cartoon Network. But uh, they, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, did I just talk over they you? Turned it into pure energy.
2: Uh, yeah, I, uh, well, I was saying um, the monster gets converted into energy, but uh, you evoked. Uh, Another show?
3: Megus XLR. Yeah, that's an episode of that, which may have been directly referencing oh. this. I don't know, because that's a very reference heavy <laughs> show.
1: See, I would have gone for um uh Mitch pelegi and Shocker
3: as yeah. The, uh, oh
2: nice. Yeah,
3: Monster Converts to electricity. <laughs> it's so funny that the boss from the X Files <laughs> played an energy man monster. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. True. I do like <laughs> just the, you know um, a crass serial killer. I do like the uh, the notion that the aliens get rid of their garbage just by beaming it somewhere else. Yeah, it's which... better than what we do. Well, it. Dude. I mean, wasn't it? Um, Haven't people talked about like firing our nuclear waste into space and stuff like that?
1: No, into volcanoes. Let's be economical. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe well, just I mean, because
2: I... like firing it into space isn't like cost effective yet since Elon yeah. Musk is just like shooting cars up there and stuff like that
1: <laughs> yeah uh, well uh, but the to bring idea, back the, the point um, sorry Sorry,
2: Tim <laughs> I apologize but you know the point that I want to make about like the the out of sight out of mind garbage is just that it's, it's exactly that it's like well, oh we have all this waste that's dangerous what are we going to do with it put it uh, put it over there where we don't have to look at it mm-hmm. you know and then Jen, coming yeah. back to have like Fairly like unforeseen consequences is like is extremely hilarious to me. But I'm sorry, Tim. I cut you off when you were trying to get back yeah. to the point.
1: Yeah. No. No. I I, I wanted to interrupt Jen uh, <laughs> and tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to interrupt you, Jen, and say that yes, all opinions are valid, but yours is incorrect. Uh, the point <laughs> that this this show the, is just going to
2: be us yelling at each other louder and louder until the mics blow out.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to Siskel and Ebert this. Um, Okay, so the, uh, no, yes, Jen's point is valid. Uh, The direction that I wanted to go with that is, I think, the point that Matt made earlier, which is they are beaming garbage out into the universe, and then we talk about satellite TV immediately on Earth. It's a media criticism.
2: Oh God, and it's that so good! It is, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, hey, here's just some trash that we just kind of put out into the airwaves, not really thinking about, you know, who it would affect or where it would go, and then it uh, ruins the suburban family. It's the story so that's of YouTube. The, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the uh, galaxy brain interpretation right there.
3: Yeah, if this movie just gets it... more and more like uh, relevant, relevant, I guess, as time goes yeah. on. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, if you remade <laughs> it now, it would be like space Nazis and um, the kid in the movie who's the de facto hero who also loves guns in the military would uh mm-hmm. go on to commit a mass shooting.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. cuz he's already armed in the movie. He has an an M16 it,
2: it, which <laughs> apparently is real and shoots real ammo.
3: Yeah. Well, his grandpa was, you know, in the war, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he's some kind of hero where it's like planes on his hat, you know, like they do. Yeah.
1: I feel yeah, good. and he lives in a bomb shelter and has Confederate flags, so you know, you know, he is uh yeah, he's the guy writing, you know, angry comments on YouTube videos. <laughs>
2: oh, and he's kind of like a proto uh prepper because he's really into this idea of lizard tails as a yeah. sustainable food mm-hmm. source.
3: Yeah, we were ready for the big one to hit Which- then. You know, just like we are now. (laughs) It's funny how we have all of the fears from history are now hitting us all at once. Like we have Nazis, nuclear war, uh, the weather's getting worse, earthquakes, (laughs) earthquakes, uh, like uh, shootings. Everything is bad. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's the highlights reel of the end times. (laughs) Yeah, we get. Yeah, it's all coming back for the reunion for the ending as we're as we all die in the next twenty years. Oh man,
1: even history is just a reboot. We're just like, yeah, just do that again.
2: (laughs) And it's a very quaint thing is the idea of the, the bomb shelter, which, you know, briefly came into vogue in the fifties for people who could afford mm-hmm. it. And it was sort of again like going back to Tim's like yeah, thirty year cycle thing, uh, was yeah, was poked fun at by movies like this one and also Grease Two, <laughs> which came out in the early eighties. <laughs> There's a whole musical number in the in a bomb oh, shelter. Oh yeah. Um so and I guess the fear now isn't uh, radiation so much as it is complete environmental collapse. So. Yeah,
3: radiation implies that know, we'd have like, time to, to deal with it and experience it. I think we're all just like, ready for it to just click off and we'll all be gone. <laughs> <laughs> we will be the yeah. lucky ones. Yeah,
2: I feel like the, the, the day after or like threads that would be made today would just be like, you know, us slowly cooking to death while just ordering shit from Amazon Prime.
1: Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I still got to go to work. I need to get my health care for for all my radiation. Well, <laughs> oh, who'll be the
3: first to get canceled in the post-apocalypse?
1: Yeah. That's that's <laughs> a thing to think about. A fate worse um, than radiation poisoning. Yes.
2: Um. That, one thing we should definitely talk about. Uh, sorry, did you have something to? Oh it? no, I was just
1: gonna add an add a point that that kid's acting is like Troll Two adjacent.
2: Oh like, my god, he mm-hmm. reminded me exactly of the kid from Troll Two. Their voices even sound the same.
1: Yeah. So,
2: just... And that um, interesting note about uh, Chad Allen, who plays uh, the boy that we're talking about, um, not only did he have a long stint on Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, he was also the little autistic boy at the end of St. Elsewhere.
1: Oh, so oh. he's the one behind everything. Yes, yeah. this
2: this, <laughs> this movie sprung forth fully formed from his head. That, that sounds like a sh- like a shitty like buzzfeed article like just trying to shoehorn in the idea that like every movie chad allen is in is like his like autistic fantasizing god
3: oh no that is a thing is it yeah no that that's absolutely a thing no because of uh oh what's the kid's name i can't think of it but everyone knows the kid's name because uh because saint elsewhere crossed over with some yeah show. like oh, that's right and those shows yeah like yeah, richard like, Belzer's uh, character months. yeah yes like and then those shows crossed over with other shows like the X Files, or you'd see like a Wayland yutani thing in a movie, so that means that the alien universe is in there. Uh, and which puts the Firefly universe. So then there are giant webs people have made on the internet of all the things that exist inside of this kid's game. Yeah, much just like yes.
1: uh patient zero for this like th- this autistic <laughs> yeah. scene elsewhere spider web.
2: So for whatever reason this kid dreamed up uh, the universes of Night Court and the Nanny.
3: Yep. <laughs> good yeah, yes exactly. tommy westfall yeah <laughs> his name is tommy westfall it's the tommy westfall that theory. yeah he's got oh a lot God. of time on his hands it's, it's weird
2: Ugh, so do these people <laughs> i gotta say that's uh, that's some room 237 shit
1: yeah uh, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> i mean i guess everybody needs a hobby but whatever anyway back to our podcast talking about uh, this again really obscure movies yeah no one cares about um, we should <laughs> that also- is that is
1: rude, Jen. A lot of people care about terrorvision, mm-hmm. and a lot more people should care about it than currently do. That's what we're doing. I can
2: think about. Th- I can think of three of, three of them right now. Okay. Yes, um. we're doing a public service <laughs> to
1: spread the gospel of terrorvision.
3: I do. I do that generally. Like I recommend this movie to everyone in the world, and so far zero people have taken me up on it. But I'm hoping this is the time.
2: I think we might be the first because I actually hadn't seen it
3: before. Yeah, you need a signal boost, so that's yeah. what we're here. We're here for. This, <laughs>
1: yeah, I gotta fire this garbage into space and see if we will catch
2: it. This is like what Tim and I are doing with B Movie TV.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, so, do we want to talk about like the story or the cast? Um, because um, the well, cast is really something to
2: note. Yeah, the cast yeah. is is wild. Um, geez, where to start? Um, you have Mary Warrenov, who was part of the Warhol Factory, and but, has also <laughs> done many movies of the, in this vein. Yeah,
1: but I know her as the you know stick up her ass principal from the Ramones uh, rock and roll high school.
3: Yes. With, uh,
1: <laughs> with also with PJ
3: Souls yeah because i believe that's a roger corman produced movie right and she's in a ton of roger corman movies yeah uh she also acted a lot with paul Bartel, paul Bartel who was a friend yeah. of, uh, of hers yeah and he was a director and an actor as well they, they famously starred together in eating raul which is another movie i love dearly that i think would fit perfectly into this podcast
2: did he also do um scenes from the class Struggle in beverly hills Okay. Yes. Yeah,
3: Yeah. that's them, and I think they're both in it, too. They're also in a movie I mentioned earlier, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, the first yes. movie directed by Joe Dante.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Mary Warnov as the um, the brittle, swinging, awful suburban mom. Um, yeah, she's great now, in this. Yeah. Now, playing her husband, uh, yeah. can I just say, uh, Jarrett Graham, who was one of my absolute favorite characters of all time, uh, Franklin, Jay Sherman's dad from The Critic.
3: Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say Beef from uh, Fam of the Paradise, but that is totally also true.
2: Yeah. No, like like Beef is one thing, but like I, I absolutely love Franklin from The Critic. He's so funny.
3: <laughs> yeah. Such a weird, like such a great character voice and sounds nothing like what you what you know him to sound like, especially if you know him as Beef.
2: Yeah, cuz he's pretty he's um you know, as Franklin, he's doing like, you know, the uh the um the wealthy the Atlantic, Wassenby.
3: yeah, like New pronunciation. England. Yeah. But he's
2: also like completely insane.
3: Yeah, like with his like you can tell he's pushing his jaw out and saying like penguins can't fly.
2: <laughs> the reason there's a banana on my ear is to lure the monkey out of my head. <laughs> that was a great show. Um but yeah, like yeah, that um he's show. also got about a jillion other credits. Jeez, um, mm-hmm.
3: he's one of those guys too. Like these B movie, this is like the ultimate B movie cast. Yes, all these people are in a. Million yeah, I don't films. know
1: if yeah. he was in that uh, that documentary that uh, you know. Uh, what's that? It's, who's that? That guy? That guy? The the one about all the character actors that it's like you don't know their name but they're instantly recognizable. Like you know, Michael Ironside being sort yeah. of the uh, I guess the, the patron saint of. Oh, it's that guy.
2: I love Michael. He's also Ironside. Bud the
1: Chud. What's
3: that?
2: Sorry, he was what?
3: He's Bud the Chud, and Chud 2, Bud the Chud.
2: <laughs> the Immortal Classic. Do you know I've never seen. Uh, I, I have not seen the original Chud.
3: Oh, jeez, Jen. Oh, yeah, Chud's you need fantastic. To see that one. I know. It's, like, genuinely good. It's a B movie, but it's so. It's this, like gritty New York movie that has actually something on its mind. It's about environmentalism and it's about how the government is destroying people and, and literally murdering the homeless. And it was like just a regular B movie. And then when they hired uh uh what's his name? Is it John Hurd? Mm-hmm. And um, uh the other guy from Home Alone. What is his name? Oh, yeah. Bushwax. Yeah. They like rewrote it and made it a great movie. Yeah, it's Again, like, like, like... It, it should be on like a double bill with They Live. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yes. That would be a good ask. Oh, that's build. a great double yeah. feature.
2: <laughs> but yeah. Um. Who else? Oh. Uh. Other. Another recognizable face. Uh. Diane Franklin, who to me will always be the uh, French exchange student from Better Off Dead.
3: Yeah, she's got a little uh, cottage career in like the lady. She's in a, a few stuff you'd recognize. I wish she had been around uh, more like these mm. other people.
2: Well, I'm glad that she got. Uh, she at least got a couple of immortal roles.
3: Oh, and I'm sorry. Daniel Stern. I apologize, Daniel Stern. You're one of my favorite actors. I couldn't think of your name. I hope you're listening. I love you. If you just said... He's, you know, he's that guy. If you just said the guy who
2: gets the tarantula on his face, I would have remembered. But yeah, who else have we got? Um, John Grease? Yes, as O.D., the daughter's (laughs) boyfriend. Uh,
3: He's Uncle Rico. People probably know him as. Yeah.
2: um, He definitely has a recognizable face. Um, So if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, uh, you'll recognize him. Um,
3: He's another big B movie guy. Uh, if you've ever seen Joysticks, he plays basically Od, also, but more of a, a violent, mean version of him. He's like another punk rocker guy. <laughs>
2: um, Burt Remsen, who um he plays Grandpa, and there's a couple of interesting things about um the actor and the character. Um, the actor, um, he had a um he started his career in the yeah his his career went back a long time he basically he started in the 50s um he broke his back on the set of a tv show in the mid 60s um and to that end uh you know because he had a long time recovering he essentially became a casting director and gave up acting for a while but it looks like he kind of just transitioned back into acting. He has a lot of TV credits, and um, the character that he plays, who's you know kind of the 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 lovable trope of the the lunatic paranoid grandpa that we all know and love, um, is his appearance is actually based on a kind of cult anti-war figure. Um, it was a guy who... There was a guy in the 60s in Los Angeles who used to play a character called General Hersheybar. Hmm. Huh. Um, and basically, he was uh, kind of a performance artist, um, you know, protesting the war, you know, at the time we are in Vietnam and stuff like that. And I so I googled General Hersheybar, and sure enough, like, his look is exactly like the grandpa in the movie. Um, you know, like... Uh, fake medals everywhere like he has a couple of like little <laughs> airplanes as epaulets and you know the hat and everything and apparently he used to hang out with a guy who played a character called general waste land <laughs> um and they okay. were both they are both protesters um at the time so that's kind cool. of an interesting uh like little cultural note that i never would have gotten um
1: yeah, that one's going right over my head, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know,
2: it, you know, it kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier, like, off mic, about, like, Los Angeles's uh, lost history, uh, you know, tears and rain and all that. But, um, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh,
3: <laughs> I thought
2: yeah. that was kind of an interesting tidbit.
3: Well, he's a big uh, Robert Altman guy, too, which I want to mention, because I'm a huge Robert Altman fan. So he's in, like, a ton of his best movies, like McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Nashville and... Uh, 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 oh, f- fucking, what is the player? He plays himself in the player.
2: Oh. Well, thank yeah. you for providing the trivia tidbit that uh, most people would actually find interesting <laughs> as opposed to the, like, completely obscure think, bullshit that I dug up off the internet. No,
3: I like that because I feel like they're saying something with that because this movie's about, like, this is a fairly transgressive movie against uh, modern trends that were affecting people's lives. And to reference that kind of anti-war effort I think is on purpose because he's also like a crazy gun nut who's like intentionally shown to be stupid. Every character in this movie is an idiot which I also love. Uh, So like he's 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 shown to to be a total moron.
2: He he is the first to get eaten, right? Am I remembering correctly?
3: Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yes,
2: Yeah. And then when you see The the first casualty. Yeah, when you see how the monster like does its kills it's kind of like oh, that's interestingly fucked up.
3: Yeah, I thought it was like interesting and weird that that we saw an old man get liquefied like that feels like <laughs> over the line for some movies but not this movie
1: yeah and because it is pretty light uh mm-hmm. for the first i don't know 20 minutes or so and then and i I'm, I'm wondering like well if this is a horror movie how are we gonna transition into everyone you know getting murdered or eaten by an alien at some point yeah it really messes with you but it's like yeah like because there's a point to and i mean maybe it's just you know kind of the the, the current cultural mindset but i'm like you realize in this movie, like a little kid is like training a monster like a pet, who like devoured his grandpa in front of his eyes, mm-hmm. and then ate both of his parents. Well, and the kid just well, rolls sure with it. At that point, they thought
3: awful. they were all fucking. Yeah, they were awful. Oh, okay, but at yeah. that point, they. I think the kids, because I think about that too, because I'm like, they know that they murdered their parents, but they're pretty convinced that their parents, their grandfather, and two and a, a Greek stranger and a lady. <laughs> Are having just an yeah. orgy in their parents' giant bed.
2: Oh, and, and they think that okay, grandpa's well. in there too.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So they, they're like, oh, so, I guess we
1: were wrong. That's really the more horrifying thing, I suppose. Too, yeah, it's so funny how. It's the five way.
2: Yeah, the disgusting, yeah, like, disgusting. old people incest orgy going on in <laughs> there. Yeah, it goes back and forth. Yeah, because.
3: It's like E.T. and Mac and me, and then going into, like, Alien. Like, it just. It's got these two incredibly different tones that. Do not fit together at all, and the movie loves that.
2: Well, the, the yeah. movie is less <laughs> nauseating than Mac and Me or ET for that matter. Yes, I, I actually I despise <laughs> yeah, yeah. both. Less but, less cloying. Um, I don't know. I think you despise the movie. E.T.? I, I really don't care for ET <laughs> <laughs> at okay.
3: all. I like e- I like ET, but it, it's yes. not one of the movies I watched a million times as a kid. So I don't have I, that much of that is very controversial. It.
2: When I saw ET as a kid, I was probably like eight or nine. And I was a, I was a really like, overly sensitive child. So I was crying while I was watching it, you know, because the movie Mm -hmm. is there's sad parts and scary parts. But as I was crying, I was so angry because I knew that I was being emotionally manipulated.
3: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a, I, I am like less, much less of a fan of like the kid Spielberg than I am of the Indiana Jones and Jaws Spielberg. And I actually just uh, two nights ago saw Close Encounters for the first time in 35mm. And it did, there are parts of it that feel like E.T., like with the little kid. And I was thinking, like, it's so nice to have that sprinkled in and then have the rest of the movie be this epic, beautiful movie about communication and about stepping forward into the future.
2: Yeah. Well, I think Spielberg um, has a tendency to lean heavily on sentimentality when it comes to children um you know i think he did it with ai like he certainly did it with et he did it with war of the worlds which um to me was actually like a really really good action movie apart from the the scenes dealing with the family where i just Mm -hmm. i mean. I I totally sound like my dad, like watching any movie and just like oh, I don't give a shit about this part. Like I just want to see the destruction and the action, <laughs> you know. But that was mm-hmm.
3: yeah. What's with all this talking? What's with all this
2: character development? It sucks.
3: <laughs> just you should watch the. Uh, yeah. I mean, you might have seen the Redux, but that new final cut of Apocalypse Now is like incredible. And then he left in the 25 minute part with like the French people on the plantation, and you're like, jeez, fucking get back to the movie. Where did the movie go?
2: Jeez, you know, it's like no wonder that production like went. So like off the rails, you know. But yeah, I can't put these French time.
3: people in
1: there. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but anyway, let's see. I was maligning. It's
1: like, oh, we need a really labored
3: allegory. I was, yeah. put, <laughs>
2: I, I was maligning ET. I was putting ET and Mac and me into the same category. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Frank Welker. Incredibly, if we're
3: still going through the cast.
2: Oh yeah, because he's the he's the monster voice, right?
3: Yes. So Frank Wel. So like all the all the cool '80s things are here including frank welker playing an animal which for years when he dies animals will sound wrong in movies and no one will know why (laughs) and and it'll be i'll be the nerd who's like it's because frank welker's not there anymore he was animals (laughs) in movies for 40 years
2: well for people who don't know can you tell us a little bit about frank welker's career
3: yes he is uh probably the longest at this point the longest running uh professional voice actor still mm-hmm. working today. He's, he's played Fred from Scooby-Doo from day one. I actually believe he finally retired from that role recently. Oh, in, wow. uh, it's called, like, What's Up, Scooby-Doo? So whatever the current show is, I believe someone else is playing him. But, so he's uh, literally... He just finally had enough. <laughs> yeah,
2: He had literally been doing that since the late 60s, because that's when that yeah. show came out. It was from the 60s, at so least just... through the,
3: like, early 2010s, at mm-hmm. least. And I believe a little bit after that. He also, uh, like I said, is, like, every animal in movies like uh he's uh i mean he's a poo in aladdin and when you hear that you're like oh that's how every monkey in movies has sounded since the 80s and because that's what he does he goes into he's um uh oh i was just watching him record he, he played a lion in some movie and i was watching him uh in a video like he had like a trash can next to his mouth and he was just like snarling into the trash can so it made this echoing disgusting sound like watching him turn his <laughs> mouth into the four the the formations it needs to make these sounds and he plays every dog in every like he uh, there's this great bit he does of a dog chasing a cat and it's just him doing it and it's just incredible he's he's one of the most incredible voice actors uh, who's ever lived. and he's also one of those guys that like every cartoon for like 40 or 30 years you can point him out like he's in there somewhere like family guy everywhere
2: yeah, because not only was he in the um, the detestable uh, Michael Bay Transformers movies, he was also in the original mm-hmm. '80s Transformers animated movie.
3: Yes, he was uh uh the bad guy in Transformers. He he got replaced with his most major role in. He's Megatron in the yes. in the original cartoon. He's Megatron and Soundwave, and then in the yeah in the movie they have uh. They let, uh, what's his name play Optimus Prime, but they had to have Agent Smith play Megatron, which is probably a bummer <laughs> to him. But he got to be in it. He got to do so. He's also Nibbler in Futurama, both his speaking voice and his weird little monkey voice. Oh, okay. Like, you okay. definitely, everyone knows his voice.
2: Yes. And I see he was also in The Real Ghostbusters, which was a great cartoon from the 80s.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he was a Slimer.
2: I don't think, um.
3: That follows, one yeah. One of the
2: times I've. One of the times when I've laughed like, just the hardest was when uh, Tim and I, like this was years ago, we're watching tr- the Transformers movie, the animated one. And who's th- the kids? Sam, is that the one who hangs out with the robot?
3: <laughs> yeah. So In the new movie, it's <laughs> Sam Witwicky. In the old one, in the movie animated, I believe his name is Spike.
2: OK, yeah. Or something yeah. like
3: that. Or Spike. Yeah, I forget. Like, Spike might have been his dad and
1: uh, I forget. But something yeah, like that. close enough. Yeah. He says shit. Yeah. The... Yes, he does. That is a chapter title in the DVD. <laughs> it's swear word. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so your parents know.
2: <laughs> yeah, but like so the um So the kid's sitting with uh, was it Bumblebee? It's been a while since I've seen this movie. Bumblebee
1: is the is the yeah, it's the yellow VW. Yeah, so he's
2: sitting you know, he's sitting next to a lake or some shit with Bumblebee and Bumblebee is like, <laughs> What's wrong? And then Tim just says I don't know. I'm getting kind of tired of having a robot as a best friend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, yeah, it gets old, you know. Just, <laughs> once the initial novelty wears off, where do you go I with abs- it?
2: I, I just, I just cried laughing. But um, so yeah, so that's that's Frank Welker, like a, a fixture in uh, in in voiceover work. I don't think he's actually credited in the movie. Um, That's possible. I'm not seeing him in the cast, cast list, but, you know, certainly an indelible contribution. I do really like the monster in this movie because of its... Not just because of the goofy, wide head and the the kind of, like, mouth that smiles even as it eats you, but also, like, the asymmetrical eye placement. The way, like, one's on the side of the head and then the one is just kind of slightly moved towards center. And then it has an extra eye, like, on a tentacle. <laughs>
3: and i like that you keep discovering new parts of it like there's there's one part where it has this like kind of tail thing that it just slaps against the ground like it's wagging its tail like you just keep seeing throughout the movie you 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 see more and more of him as he gets more and more like uh pet eyes and then you think he's gonna be a good guy and then he just keeps killing people and the power to murder someone and then like use their head and speak through their head and use their voice is so upsetting and scary (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's kind of like the thing. Yeah, I like I, I hate to derail, but like I find this really interesting about that movie. Um, the proof of this is in uh, old editions of Leonard Maltin's movie guide, mm. which uh, pre-IMDb um, was a big, <laughs> thick book in which you could look up almost every movie. I mean, not any really. any
1: movie but. that was lo- worth looking up. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was it was fairly complete, and um, you know when the thing came out. Uh, the critical reception was like really negative, and I remember it getting one star in Leonard Malton's movie guide.
1: Fewer than Laser Blast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, which you, that sh- it should tell you how fucked <clears throat> up that guide is.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, values were different then. Yeah. Well, that's what's great about the Malton guide is like when you look at Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, and you're like, this tells me nothing. This just means some people thought something and some people thought another thing, but Leonard Malton's guide is one man's feelings about things. Mm-hmm. And he'll yeah. generally stick to it. Like he, he gave Taxi Driver a not good review and he has stuck with it ever since and he only edited cool. it once. He added the he added the phrase, although very influential, but he left the review as it stands, which I respect, even though I mean come on, it's Taxi Driver, it's the best movie ever. Yeah.
2: Paul Schrader just runs out of the room crying.
3: <laughs> but sometimes it's, like, great to get a bad review from Leonard Maltin because he didn't like Gremlins, and then he gave us that great scene in Gremlins 2 where he got killed by the Gremlins.
2: That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, it ended it up was, paying I off. mean, and there's yeah. because it was, um, and, you know, we're evoking, Tim evoked the bit in the MST version of Laser Blast when they go through the the guide and find really just, like, off-base reviews of of movies yeah fish called wanda talk about all the
3: movies he gave worse reviews than or worse star ratings than laser blast and they're all like it's not the godfather but it's like godfather level movies they just keep pulling and then he was on the show later like the same thing yes just like the Yeah,
2: to show that there were no hard feelings but um i remember one of the movies from the movie guide that they absolutely hated was quadrophenia whoa like they gave it one star and i was like Really, Quadrophenia? That's that movie's pretty good, but so they really you know, only
1: when, gave it Unofenia. <laughs> <Or whatever. laughs>
2: you know, wow. when you just get a single channel, it's not really the same. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, it's, it's uh, that's what I like about it too. Is that like it's a man's taste, and he sticks to it. Like I don't like the modern. I mean, I also think movie reviewing. I'm not like a Disney is paying people uh, conspiracy <laughs> theorist, but I am like a every Marvel movie gets 98% of Rotten Tomatoes. That's weird. You know, like, I don't, something's, I don't know what's wrong with movie criticism right now, but something's wrong well, with it's,
1: it. Well, it's the difference between whether this is an, like, uh, artistically valid film versus is this a pleasant experience? Like, yes. is, is this a yeah. crowd pleaser? Did this, like, fire, you know, on all cylinders? Did it hit all the, um, you know, did it check all the boxes?
3: It's like, oh, well, 98%, no problems here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think when I see Rotten Tomatoes, because if someone just goes, like, this was a movie that I didn't get bored watching. It gets afresh. So, like, when I see a movie yeah. that's, like, 100%, I'm like, all right, so 100% of people, like, didn't fall asleep during this movie. That's that's what we're judging this on. But if a movie has, like, a 50, then I'm like, oh, man, a bunch of people had to think really hard about this movie and don't agree <laughs> with each other. Like, my right now I'm obsessed with Under the Silver Lake, and that's getting not good reviews. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? But I'm also like, I have not stopped thinking about that movie, and I think that, I don't know if that makes it a good movie, but it makes it... A fifty percent or on Rotten Tomatoes. It's what makes that interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. kind of
1: you you think of uh, like Fry from Futurama. Like, what do you call that? It's like a headache with pictures. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> an idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's what these <laughs> movies are like. Ah, yeah, thumbs down for this one. <laughs>
3: yeah, I don't like what this I movie to think did about to me. This movie. Yeah. Yeah. That That's the Once Upon a Time. And also, everyone needs to have a hot take. Like, there are things wrong with Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't think one of them is that he was too mean to the Manson family. I think that's a weird take we all have right now.
2: That's a. Yeah, hey, they're going
3: through some shit, man. Come on.
2: That is a take. Wow. It
3: certainly is. Yeah. And I mean,
2: and that's the thing is, like, in the age of social media, like, you're always. Um, you know if you really get in it and lie down you're exposed to just like every trash take like Mm -hmm. under the sun to the point where like if you come up with a bad take as a joke like you will see someone later that day espousing that sincerely
1: yeah be like wow Mm -hmm. this is my most liked post i i don't know how to feel about that
2: (laughs) hey it got the most engagement (laughs) therefore it is the best idea
1: yeah more money Mm -hmm. equals better than um, what
2: is it that you're all, What is it that you're always saying about metrics, Tim, and like just how much they fucking suck ass? Oh, we'll have to do a
1: whole other episode about that. They're complete <laughs> garbage. Um.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The um, but. Uh, but yeah, that, that
1: everyone being able to review something and everyone having a hot take, it gets into this sort of, you know, morass of like moral relativism and no objective reality where it's like, yeah, I can't believe this movie was cruel to the Mansons. How very dare they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, well, the, the uh, guy is, you know, he's mentally impaired. Like, you know, you can't you can't punch <laughs> down on Charles Manson like that. Wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wasn't that Leatherface
3: okay? is a product of his upbringing. We can't make him the villain. Yeah, like, how, <laughs> how very dare you?
2: Wasn't that a bit in Mindhunter? Where, like, he, um, the main character goes uh, to talk to, like, uh, a room full of cops in a small town about, like, the criminal mind. And he's trying to make a point about how Manson's, uh, si- um, Manson's criminality was shaped by his upbringing and, like, all the cops just get incredibly mad at him because they think <laughs> he's taking pity on Manson.
3: Yeah. That's funny. I like that. I haven't, I haven't watched season two yet, but that sounds pretty great. Yeah.
2: Speaking of a media-obsessed society... Oh, um, I
3: wanted to speak of serial killers.
2: What were you going to say? Uh, <laughs>
1: we, well, because, I mean, uh, the one of the uh, the swingers, the uh, annoying-voiced uh, blonde swinger from this movie, um, she was also featured in another uh, horror film where she was the victim of... Uh, or potential victim of a serial killer. She played a. Um, uh, she was a working girl. Uh, she was a prostitute in. Um, I want to say. Oh shoot! Yeah, somewhere in Europe. I couldn't pin it down. But um, it was a. Uh, it was a, a. A frightening tale called "The Man with Two Brains." Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> She I love Yeah, she she plays like this this gorgeous dish when you know Steve Martin is going around looking for uh you know a, a woman's body to put his extra brain in. Um and he he comes across her and uh, and yeah, she just breaks out this voice and it's just it's the most like just you know ear piercing just off putting putting tone and he like goes back to her apartment and she's like you know singing Duke of Earl in like this annoying like you know Bronx accent. And, and and you know and and that point he you know just decides not to, not to inject her with uh, what like Windex or or whatever his drug of choices and and she's like oh yes, it's uh, really I don't mind what what does it do and he's like oh it causes your brain to die last and she's
3: like I don't mind <laughs> and he just what leaves a and she's like weird movie that is yeah and she's like oh my voice Yeah, Carl Reiner's Steve Martin movie where he's, like, a serial killer. Like, it's (laughs) only the early eight. That's more, that's, like, in that 80s schlock window, too. Jeffrey Combs is in it, too, which is also, like, has to be on purpose, right? I had forgotten
2: that. Two things. Yeah, Merv Um, Griffin is in it.
1: (laughs)
3: Spoiler (laughs) alert.
2: Um, The the kids love Merv Griffin. Um, (laughs) Two things about uh, this topic. Um, The actress's name is Randy Brooks, um, and... Um, what is it with Steve Martin and like body swap movies in the eighties? Because he also was in All of Me, which also I was thinking
3: that too. Because I was like, oh yeah, and the brain was Lily Tomlin. Wait a minute, no, it wasn't. It was Kathleen Turner. Oh, yeah,
2: and then um, and the um, the brain again ended up in a hot blonde. hmm In in All of Me, as I recall.
3: <laughs> He's got a a type. Yeah. So I guess. here's a
2: question, and like, excuse me for going um, uh bougie feminist uh hot take blogger for a minute way but, too uh, late
3: for that be kinda, nice to the manson family yeah <laughs> no,
2: because um, th- th- uh tim mentioned that the gag in man of two brains was that it's a gorgeous woman with just like a horrible nails and a chalkboard voice mm-hmm. which is a little bit um which is a trouble you sometimes see um and i think kind of comes from you know kind of the the kind of the the bubble-headed blonde of the 50s you know your 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 judy holidays and and such um and i'm trying to think of an example in which you had a male character with just an incredibly grating voice can you guys think of one
3: hmm there's gotta there's gotta be but i can't like a like a a beautiful man not like a harvey <laughs> firestein right <laughs> a beautiful man i'm not i'm not shaming harvey Fierstein. He's beautiful wow. on the inside, yeah.
2: Well that's like a voice, you know, he because like, he has the gravelly voice and but you know, you're like that's a voice with character, you know. But like yeah. um, you know, somebody who like um you know, even just somebody with like just an incredibly like the moment that they open their mouth, you're just like ugh.
3: I don't know. Betty uh, Deason uh, in anything?
2: Who is quite the dish. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, or yeah. or you know, that
1: other hunk uh she um yeah uh emo Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, because you look at him, yeah. you're just like, "Oh, he's so dreamy," and then
3: he opens his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Emo Phillips and Eddie Deason in a buddy comedy would be pretty great. <laughs> Set, like in like 1983, that would have been amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'd be there. We'd be doing an episode about that movie. Yeah, because
3: yeah,
2: yeah. it would have made like ten thousand dollars in its opening weekend. And yeah, it would be like, movie. oh, I it was the he'd...
1: first appearance of Bobcat Goldwaite.
3: <laughs> oh, I think you could do Man with Two Brains, but you'd probably want to do Frankenhooker instead if you're gonna do a yeah. movie like that.
2: Oh, um uh Bobcat Goldthwaite, another just stunningly handsome guy with yeah. a weird voice. Yeah, yeah. am I right? <laughs> I mean hot to trot, man. Yeah. Um Gilbert Gottfried,
3: there's another one.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um,
3: I feel and like, yet these are like men who starred in things like the like their annoying voice was an attribute, whereas if a woman is annoying voice it's just a punchline. Yeah. Or, yeah, well, uh, s- what, Fran Drescher? Bobby, oh, Bobby yeah, Fleckman, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, she, because she, she was able to make a career out yeah. of the voice. So. Or at least a, a very terrible sitcom.
1: Yeah, you know, you work with what you got.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we begged the question earlier of what Leonard Maltin's review of TerraVision was. I wonder what the star rating was.
1: Oh, wow. What's the over under on this? Uh, I'm,
2: I'm betting he gave it either one star or a bomb. I'm, oh,
1: I'm, yeah, he
3: would do bomb, bomb. No, two stars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think because he likes, he's a horror fan, so I think he's going to give it one star.
2: He might have given it one for the the satire. I mean, I feel like he would have recognized the t- satirical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the um there are a couple of attributes about the movie. Could either play for or against it, depending on, on how you look at it. Um, and I'm specifically thinking of the, the incredibly cartoony performances and the blatantly artificial sets. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, is which so maybe I did, I did find aesthetic. his review, by the way. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. Sorry, what did you say, Tim?
3: No,
1: I was, I was yeah, backing out of the, that, the completely artificial aesthetic of it.
2: Yeah, which, um, Uh, We should maybe talk about the the setting because um, at first you think it's going to be like a typical suburban house, but the swinger parents seem to be incredibly wealthy because they have like a a huge like Roman inspired dwelling with like an indoor pool.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, they looked at real swingers' pads and like (laughs) based it on those. Ugh. And like the wallpaper and the yeah, it feels yeah, like it the feels marble like a, cherubs. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does feel like some houses I w- would go to as a kid, like rich suburbanite houses. Yeah, it's
1: the yeah. it's a not double income, income no, no kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: we're, uh, like I I would love to know like what like either of them does as a career because I mean not only do they have the huge house, it's also. Completely wired up for satellite television at a time when that equipment was insanely expensive. Oh,
3: they're they're yuppies, mm-hmm. clearly.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He's probably some kind of uh, like high level CPA or something like that. Some paper pusher.
1: Probably. He, he works in
3: finance. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's gonna be some like Wall Street working girl type shit or cocaine. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. That was a lot of cocaine in there for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know
2: what? They're, uh, actually they're probably CIA assets.
3: Either way.
1: <laughs> uh they probably Yeah, all that tech Ollie around Mark there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And they they had all the um like uh erotic art, like all the sort of nagel knockoffs too.
2: Oh god, those you know. <laughs> okay, like seriously, um You know, Nagel, I think, was considered a bit of a relic for a long time and, like, corny and, you know, very indicative of the time period. But, like, he actually is, like, a really good illustrator. Like, the fake Nagels in this, like, kind of, like, make me cringe a little bit (laughs) because they're very bad (laughs) knockoffs of, of Nagel. I mean, I, you know, not dinging the movie for that. Like, you know, the point was made. It's like these are just crass people with crass taste and as and the thing the other thing that's delightful about the art in the movie and the 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 art direction and set design is that the paintings like seem to get like more weird and, and sexual and depraved as the movie goes on. <laughs> like you know that's in the cool living, if that's on purpose. Yeah, in the living room you've got like you know kind of the, the standard like hot woman nagel, and then that you start to get into like weird BDSM themes. You know as you mm. go deeper into the house. You yeah, know, it's mm.
1: like, it's kind of a family house that isn't appropriate for children.
2: No. Yeah, which is why their
1: kid grew grew up to be you know this gun nut incel. I mean, I assume that the <laughs> ten-year-old kid isn't having sex, but
3: <laughs> <laughs> but he wants to. Oh yeah, yeah. They they probably were like very buttoned down and that, like and had kids and stuff, and then realized like had like snapped because they said they've only tried swinging a couple times. Yeah, so I well, think they, that they they recently have acquired a lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah, they're 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 swinger posers is what they are. Like they aren't actually like yeah. hip swinging people. They're just like hey, I you know I read in GQ. Uh, that swinging is a thing now, and they're like, okay, let's get on that.
2: Well, and it's also funny because um, The swinging... man, parents, am I right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Always parents, swinging in your house? Yeah.
2: The, the, the real monster in the movie is the specter of your parents fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which uh, is, do you
3: want to know what Leonard Malton's review was? Yeah. Yes, I do. So he did give it a bomb. Of Of course course he did. He was not a fan. What he said was, uh, "Inept direction and overacting sink this cartoonish tale of a family and friends' reactions when a monster from outer space emerges from their TV set. Watch the old Outer Limits episode instead." Mm. I disagree, Leonard.
2: What a fucking hipster! Be like, oh, like there was this show called The Outer Limits. Like uh, you probably haven't heard of it. (laughs) I want subdued uh,
1: performances in my cartoonish movies. By the way, (laughs) I want nuance, subtlety.
3: He does yeah, like a lot of schlock, though. Like, he's just... He's a man of his own taste. Yeah.
2: I think that um, I would... Okay. Like, I'll, I'll say this. Like, watching the movie, like, some of the performances are uh, just a little bigger than I would have asked for. <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> like, in particular, like, on uh, Diane Franklin's part, there's, like, a little bit of mugging that would be like, okay, like, just turn it down slightly. But that's... Yeah, at what you point know,
1: are you gonna say? Oh, this is so out of place.
2: Well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like tonally, it, it it fits with the movie. Like, I'm not I'm not gonna be that fucking picky. Not to and you know. Yeah, it's like the part where they, they're feeding they the monster do, take junk like 100... food. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was,
1: I was, yeah, just to interrupt you, I was gonna be like, yeah, the 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 scene where they're feeding the outer space monster junk food that came in through the TV, and it's like I don't know, <laughs> I don't really buy this girl's performance.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. And it is it does have the feel of a movie that was made on an independent budget you know like sets. oh yeah it's at it's day, funny how
3: it like it's so cheap but for a Charles band like this cast and stuff, I'm like this does feel a little higher budget than I expected like it feels at least like a real movie, which a lot of their movies don't
1: yeah it does yeah or, like- or at the the very least it feels like a good TV movie. Almost yeah. like an, an old episode of The Outer Limits that I hear is uh, to die for.
3: <laughs> yeah. I also, so I, I know every review is relative. Like, people used to share that image of uh, the IGN review of God Hand next to the IGN review of Imagine Party Babies and how Imagine Party Babies had a higher uh, star level. But, like, those are two different kinds of games, two different reviewers. Although, Mr. Malton, I, I went a, I scrolled a couple pages up in this same uh, edition of this book uh, Terminator Salvation. Which was the oh nine one with Christian mm-hmm. Bale? Three stars. Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. The 2003 one. Three stars. Terminator One. Three and a half stars. Terminator Two. Two and a half stars. Wow. Huh. He gives T2 the worst of the Terminator trilogy, <laughs> Okay. That movie did not Christian make much Bale of uh, "Gonna Smash Your Fucking Lights" movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I
2: um, like I'm probably the only person on Earth who enjoyed Terminator Salvation, Ooh. even though I had problems with it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why it had two protagonists, for one thing. Um, <laughs> I kind of like three. It's not very good. I actually haven't seen that one. Three's uh, fun.
3: It's stupid. It's just not It's not a good movie. It's just silly.
2: Right. You know, like, Terminator Salvation is like, well, whatever. I extracted some entertainment from it. Mm-hmm. The, so, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe I could go with that cr- contrarian take from uh, The Malton Guide. The two and a half stars for Terminator 2. Yeah. What the That's fuck?
3: Rough.
1: Well, you know, yeah, it's just a, another cash-in of, you know, a sci-fi <laughs> franchise. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. He says it lacks the freshness of the first film and gives us no one to root for, which I think is... Uh, that second part's an, an insane thing to say when yeah. you know, Linda Hamilton... <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna to need to see your, uh, your, um, your logic, or, or show me your, uh, show me your work on show this. Show your work. Yeah, yeah.
0: All like all
2: if them every, know. yeah, like, um, because you know the Malton Guide is like a you know capsule review kind of thing. Like, a show your work thing would be interesting. Yeah, you know, it's, like, yeah, no, it's no, a little like, tiny. Let, let me, because you know I've I've often come across opinions like that on Twitter where you're just like. I would, you're a lunatic, but I would really like to see your thought process on coming to this opinion, because that is wild.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I want to know how you got here.
2: Yeah, two and a half stars, huh. So, Hmm. and, you know, I believe that quite a few, um, you know, because I evoked um, some of those earlier reviews from the earlier editions of the Malton Guide. I think quite a few of those were updated, you know, as um, maybe new reviewers came on Or, you know, people realize, like, wait, what the fuck were we thinking? We slept on this one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what made me think of it was that, you know, The Thing, which I believe they gave one star.
3: Mm. He also gave Um, the 10 a bomb. I'm just scrolling up and looking for movies that I like, (laughs) and that's a great movie.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I like a spicy contrarian take as much as the next person. I've often aired them on on Twitter and on the show, but... Mm -hmm. Two and a half stars for yeah. Terminator 2, really.
1: I I love that Leonard is listening to this, like, in his car on the way to work right now and just fuming. <laughs> He's like, "How? To, <laughs> oh, man. It's like, I'm going to flame them so bad on Twitter.
3: <laughs> well, I still we, love him. I think yeah. I love him. I like that he disagrees with me. I like that sometimes. Yeah,
1: well, well they were, if he can support they, his opinion, then fine, you know.
2: They went hmm. really hard on them in Mystery Science Theater, and then he went on their show. So, yeah. You realize that eventually Malton will have to come on our show. Yeah, yeah, Leonard
3: Malton fight <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah.
2: Leonard Malton, yeah. Uh, and you can DM, kill him
3: like the Gremlins. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Leonard Malton, DMs are open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, okay, so now we know. Um, now we know what uh, Malton's opinion was. Uh, that hack
1: overrated. <laughs> I give Go I give him one star, I give him a bomb <laughs>
2: <laughs> um i I don't know like I mean i I get what he's getting at, but I think it just seems a little unfair to me because I feel like there's a little more going on in this movie than just like dumb shit. I mean it could just be like a bunch of stupid kills, but it's not mm-hmm. Like, it's got something
3: to say. It's got something on its mind. And I, I always appreciate that about especially the dumbest movies. I love when they have a little a little thought there. That seems to yeah. be, yeah, the
1: big difference for me in terms of whether something does feel like it has merit or if it's just simply just kind of this rote exercise. It's like, do you have a point of view that you're trying to express with your movie, no matter how you know, uh, how how cheap or how uh, um, campy or or low budget. It's like, do you actually have something that you're trying to say? Like, I think that's the thing that really redeems this movie, yeah, or, or, yeah. or or any other you know movie, despite its flaws. It's just like, well, I was trying to do something here.
2: Which isn't to say that we don't <laughs> occasionally enjoy a movie which is uh, just pure trash for the id. But <laughs> that's a that's that's a different topic. Yeah, um, I mean, you can enjoy yeah, like and, crank yeah <laughs> so yeah so uh like i was saying Terror vision is i give it uh negative stars i give it and, four bombs um, i give it, yes i i give it moab because there are no black people in it <laughs>
1: um. the the thing that i noticed because uh, um that that uh, awful hipster leonard malton calling out the uh, outer limits episode uh the thing that this uh, most reminded me of was another uh, s- uh somewhat obscure anthology uh, tv show from around the same time called monsters and i don't know if either of mm. you are familiar with that um, no, i don't know I am not. what that is
2: and um when are we going to start doing episodes of you talking about anthology movies and shows oh uh, well because yeah do I perversions subject- of science <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's a subject dear to your heart i know
1: it is yeah it um me too. Well, yeah because monsters was it again it had a really cheesy opening it was um well it was an anthology uh uh show about you know each series was basically you know monster of the week and it it really um kind of pride itself on the monster effects that it was doing and they were you know really different and really cool and or you know some of them were, were cheesy and fun and it, even the opening credits itself it is you know it zooms in from outer space on this um, you know clearly a miniature of this uh, you know quaint suburban neighborhood where this family is sitting down to watch their favorite show monsters. And you know the the mom is a cyclops and the father's a blob and you know the daughter's <laughs> eating like you know this like you know candied crustacean uh, and it's like oh they're monsters you know sitting down to watch their favorite show about monsters uh, so it, it, which again it shows why representation in the media is important <laughs> um, but I mean I'm, that's... you
2: know and that was a great time when you know a family of monsters could actually get together and. Yeah. Watch a show as a family. Yeah. Now, there really aren't monster shows like that anymore. I know. You know. Like all the all the really you know the monster shows with all the titties on HBO. You can't watch those with <laughs> monster children.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the show took place on Maple Street, but I I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it had very much the same aesthetic as, as Terrorvision, which is you know here's this sort of you know broad-stroked uh, you know characters uh, meeting this you know ghoulish, you know, crazy, uh, you know, gross monster and, you know, crazy stuff happens. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then, um, I wasn't prepared to speak more on that, but uh, I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) yeah, go, go on your favorite, um, you know, free movie streaming service and you can find episodes of that. I'm sure like you can, you know, if there's a, uh, streaming service through like your local library, or I know it's on, uh,
3: the, the Roku's channel. Um, but yeah so some's find- on YouTube too I'm finding some on YouTube I'm gonna watch some of the show this looks cool yeah yeah. Meatloaf is in an episode sign me yeah. up yeah the <laughs> aforementioned Pam Greer is in an episode yeah. That's oh, nice. yeah
1: so yeah definitely another thing worth checking out and it is you know if you like Terrorvision, I think you're gonna enjoy Monsters as well hmm
2: that was a uh, that was the uh, pilot episode of Tim Discusses Anthology Media. Yeah, this is uh, a twofer yeah. episode. You, we'll get, be to l- you, you get, get to developing it.
3: Have me on l- that show too. I want to talk about Creepshow. Show. Oh Creepshow. yeah. Yeah, I was just Yeah, uh, um yeah. It would just, be
2: interesting to compare like Creep Show to some of the other like other like less well known horror anthologies at the time because there were there there's a huge number that I've never fucking heard of
3: before. Leonard Malton gave Tales from the Hood three stars. As I just learned. Wow, one <laughs> one star for each story. So, <laughs> uh,
1: um, Tales from the Dark Side was another one. That was the one yeah, that yeah. had yeah, it had uh, Deborah Harry, and uh, a young Steve Buscemi was in one of them.
3: Ooh, and oh, the one I mentioned, days. Perversions of Science, is a fucking weird, crazy show that I like a lot. There's a great episode where. Uh, the night of Orson Welles doing the uh, the invade the invasion, you know, radio that uh, radio Worlds, show that yeah. fooled some people. Uh, the same night, uh, two aliens were planning a real invasion and it fucks them up. And it's I think it's Jason Lee and Seth Green. No, I think it's Jason Lee and Jamie Kennedy. And it's, <laughs> it's a ridiculous show. It's
1: just <laughs>
2: like only nineties uh, kids will remember this. Man,
1: that is <laughs> yeah. some
3: rotten luck on the two of them. Hey. <laughs> And it was hosted by a horny robot lady, and when you watched the shows, uh, her, her robot breast would open up, and you would go inside of it. <laughs> Perfect. Watch the, sh- watch the show, she would show you. It's a weird oh, show. She was Lex. That's just like that nightmare
1: that I always yeah. wake up screaming from.
3: Yeah, it was like oh, Lex. There's a, you know what? There's
1: like a, Lex is there's great, like... too.
3: That's is ridiculous. Is, yeah, show?
1: yeah. Oh, I know. It's uh, it came out around the same time of, of Farscape, which is probably my my most beloved show. But it's like if Cinemax made Farscape. It's like yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's this this German Canadian co production of just. Uh,
2: so also um, featuring at one point uh, the late Ricker Hauer.
1: Yeah, he was oh, in. Wow. Uh, yeah, the, they did five uh, feature length episodes as the first season. And uh yeah, Rutger Hauer was in um I think it's like the third or fourth episode. Unfortunately oh. the story in it isn't that great. They kinda go far afield, but um is is hey, this...
2: how come we aren't doing like a spin off of you just recommending your own brand of weird shit? I don't <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because I, I have to organize it all first. Like, I got to, I, I mean. Well,
2: come on. Like, we could, like, if we pointed a camera at you and said, tell us what you love about Farscape, would you really need to research that? That's yeah, fair <laughs> point,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I got, I have this cork board in my kitchen with, you know, red string connecting everything. So I, <laughs> I guess we'll just need to, I'll need to organize it better, that's all.
2: You're like, here's a picture of me with the woman who played Chiana. Yes. <laughs> I i just I blanked on her fucking name.
1: You you blanked on Gigi Edgley's name. She's in a band Thank right you. Now.
2: <laughs> Gigi Edgley. Yeah. Tim's friend Tim's close personal friend, Gigi Edgley.
1: Yeah, I've been over to her place. What of it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Matt, are you a Farscape fan? Uh
3: the only was Farscape the one with Hercules on it? No, Farscape is the no, pencil right? Yeah, yeah. You're thinking Okay, of yeah, I watched a little bit of one. it, but not that much. But I actually, that's one of those shows that's always in my brain as like, I should watch that. That and Babylon 5 have always been like, it'd be fun to go back and watch those shows. I, yeah. I have a big, we just did, uh, the, our Adult Swim podcast, we just did uh, Eagle Heart on that show. And I, yes. I professed my love of mid-tier 90s television and And how it's a thing that I miss a lot of, like Xena and Hercules and Walker, Texas Ranger. And I I love the sci-fi version of that, which is usually a little more brainy. Like, I I think Farscape's a little brainier, and and I I would like to go back and watch those. So if you do a podcast about it, I'll go on it and watch it. Yeah, there we go. Well,
2: uh, Tim will certainly endorse you watching the show.
3: (laughs) I'm a, like, big Henson nut, obviously, like everyone else who's a weirdo like me. So it is a Henson blind spot for me that I wish to fill
1: yeah you do know that there's a um there's like a masquerade ball dress up thing at uh the Henson studios in i think October i think it's a farscape Ooh. uh themed thing i didn't know but it's well, incredibly yeah. specific yeah
2: is it like is it like labyrinth of Jareth but like less Farscape-y? precious maybe
1: um yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so it's a uh, yeah there I, th- I think it's sometime in october i mean i um Ooh. Yeah, I could go, but I'm I'm not a dress up person. Um, yeah, I'd have to go as a peacekeeper. You know,
2: Tim, that's your birthday month. We could dress you up.
1: Yeah, well, I might be at a Lego convention that weekend. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't go to the Farscape dress up party. I might be at a Lego convention on my birthday. <laughs> yeah, that
2: is the most Tim thing ever. <laughs> that, is, that is a perfect crystallization of Tim right there. That's pretty. I yeah, know it's
1: a it's a hard life. Farscape
2: yeah. or Lego? I don't know which one. <laughs> oh, the same yeah. weekend, the digital bar uh, is doing a thing. Shit! It's the <laughs> only yeah.
3: weekend in the entire year that I I can do anything, and it's the two the, the two things I would want to <laughs> do throughout the entire year happen on the same weekend. What a I hell bet, of a yeah. day. <laughs> I know. It's like
2: the principle of convention scheduling. Like the only two panels that you desperately want to see will always be scheduled against each other. Yeah,
3: yeah. it's always true. <laughs> Every
2: fucking time. Yeah. Um. It's Sophie's we choice. We of way convention. off the point, but. The conversation has been really interesting So I don't regret it But one thing that I wanted to bring up Um That I realize is also a kind of trope I'm t- doing the TV tropes and was Just pointing out stuff like hey it's like in that other movie <laughs> Hey Jen but, um, this is your
3: crowning moment of awesome Ride it
2: uh, Which one of
3: these characters is secretly a time lord
2: I'm gonna fucking kill myself Um <laughs> So uh character actor Alejandro Rey Who actually passed away um maybe a year after this movie came out which is kind of sad but he plays oh. the um he plays one of the swingers who's invited to yeah, the he's the, uh, the
3: Greek guy Spiro
2: ...Putterman home yeah yeah um who is, is very is saying...
3: greek uh, yeah.
2: yeah yeah like very very greek <laughs> um yeah it's it's it it, it literally becomes like a Cometown town bit uh which is hilarious <laughs> but um oh, wow. so this th- there was a thing in the 80s which is like hilariously accented foreign characters and i'm specifically thinking of um the you brazilian look marvelous yeah i th- <laughs> that was that was the billy crystal mm-hmm. uh, was one i thought of and then the brazilian airs from nothing but trouble which we discussed on the show
0: mm-hmm.
2: which i don't know if this was a thing i mean because certainly like foreign accent humor has always been like you know Kind of a, it was a staple of Hollywood for a long time. Maybe less so now in more woke times. But um, like, what was this thing in the eighties of like moneyed foreigners? I mean, I know like uh, you know people were paranoid about the Japanese coming over and buying up all our shit. But
3: uh, well, there was some yeah, Greek panic uh, a little earlier than that because of uh, Jackie O's husband, uh, whatever Onassis. Aristotle Onassis. Yeah, Aristotle yes. Onassis. People got like openly racist about that man quite often as a as I the more like 70s and 80s movies I watched there are like so many references to him and as a kid I never knew who that was I never I just thought Jackie O Jackie Onassis I guess that was her name before she married JFK and then I I learned oh no she married a Greek man and that became a a national problem that the America's (laughs) favorite first woman or first lady married a Greek man which oh no he's slightly tanner than me (laughs)
2: <laughs> which is it, which is so weird because really it's just like rich woman marries rich man.
3: Yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah, she's not clutching uh, her like out of out of my arms or something. Like, <laughs> like I didn't have a chance. Yeah, the
3: other guy's dead. Who cares? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, like um, well, I guess people were okay with him being with Maria Callas and she was also foreign, but. Jackie was a bridge too far, because um, she was the most American lady. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is so fucking weird to me. You know, like, uh, because you know, I know, I know that, you know, the, the the Kennedys were like, you know, not just like as political figures, they were also almost like movie stars, in their mm-hmm. presence and you know the American culture. But like now at this point in my life, like the notion of like, just absolutely worshiping like old money rich people you know people mm-hmm. who whose lives have absolutely no relation to mine like whatsoever
3: we're still yeah. there like you know look into uh the rise of reality television and now i mean uh our fucking president is yeah you know like that'll never go away people just it's that oh who said that thing about um no one's actually poor. They're just embarrassed. There's are they're, they're temporarily, temporarily embarrassed, embarrassed millionaires. millionaires. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was Steinbeck. Yeah. About how like everyone, people, you know, like the same reason that we haven't had any kind of revolts in our country in quite a long time is because we want to be nice to the billionaires. Cause they might make <laughs> me rich soon. Like, don't be mean to, to Amazon because you know, he's <laughs> yeah. going to help us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that but That money's going to trickle down any bottle. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking down. of
1: trickling yeah <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> but yeah like i guess um you know and uh you know to bring it back to the movie like there's certainly a critique of crass consumption um you yeah because it it takes place in an extremely crass household
3: yeah <laughs> yeah they're a bunch of rich fucks who get this <laughs> yeah. uh this tv and, and this is the time like you said earlier that like this was expensive equipment and it, for a long time, like cable, I was at the tail end when I was a kid of like cable being a real luxury. We always had cable. My family was very poor, but they always found money for cable because like, you know, sometimes we didn't have uh, name brand foods in, in the fridge or uh, uh, I don't know, air conditioning or heat. But we always had cable because you can't <laughs> not, you, you can't well, not no. have Comedy Central. Yeah. in
2: the words of frylock we fucking need it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. your your
1: media diet is very important in addition to your regular yes. diet
2: that's like that's like the the base of the food pyramid actually
1: yeah it's Maslow's yeah, okay, hierarchy it. of needs yeah
3: <laughs> yeah that's uh, I often actually I often credit that with how I became the weirdo I am today It's like I when I was, I cannot remember a time where I didn't have a television and cable in my room. Like, I grew up with HBO, uh, with movie channels, with uh, Cartoon Network, and eventually, you know, the Disney Channel, Nickelodeon. Like, oh, I damn. I could, I know, I could watch whatever I wanted at any time, and that's how I, you know, that's how I can say the shit that I can say. Because, like, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I've seen way too many dumbass TV shows. <laughs> that's why I have to do this.
2: You know- my parents never limited what I watched and I actually have to give my mom credit for like, she hated the show night court, but she never prevented me from watching it. And I really love that show <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah. But, and you know, like I watched, like I watched the movie hot trot when I was a kid and there was like, just like a ton of swears and sexual humor in that. But my mom yeah. just thought it was funny, but um, we never <laughs> had HBO cause my, I'm sure my dad would not want to shell out extra for like, you know, pay TV Mm-hmm. Um, so we never got like that real good shit. Oh
3: no, yeah. I, I, I could watch movies and, real sex, yeah. six, real sex yeah. four, the bunny ranch. I had all those. Yeah. We just got whatever came over the airwaves. Yeah. yeah. I also That's watched terrible. hot to trot a lot, a movie. I barely remember. My favorite thing about hot to trot is if you tell somebody, yeah, there's a movie with John Candy and Bobcat Goldthwaite and a talking horse. Guess which one yes. of them plays the talking horse. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I do, I do. That was, like, my favorite movie as a kid. I loved it. Me too. I just,
3: it was a talking horse. It sounded like John Candy. You wanted to watch it.
2: (laughs) Also, the, this is, this is a weird little bit of, have you seen this trivia? So, in the movie, uh, Don, the talking horse, has a crush on a lady horse called Satin Doll. Um, Satin Doll was actually played by a male Arabian horse, and at a briar event, uh briar being the manufacturer model horses. I think I everyone got, knows that, Jen. Uh, <laughs> I actually <laughs> you know, for those who don't, I actually don't got to sit, my time. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got to sit on the horse who played uh Satin Doll in Hot to Trot. Wow. Hey, yes. you're,
3: That's you're amazing. <laughs> you're precious celebrity.
2: Probably, probably the pinnacle of my young life. Maybe the pinnacle of my life. I mean, I pinnacle know, of the pinnacle of your adult life too, yeah. Achieved. Yeah. and that's why i'm a podcaster
1: (laughs) yeah well where else are you going to tell those kinds of quality stories by the way we are on patreon for just two dollars a month (laughs) you can get more of this right here
2: patreon.com slash have you seen this
1: yeah straight (laughs) straight from jen's mouth to your ears
2: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah maybe we should talk a little bit about um satellite television and pay tv because um it certainly seems to be to have been the uh jumping off point for this movie, and I'm not sure if, you know, um, like, I don't know how old you are, Matt, or if you want to reveal your age, um, I turned Tim 30,
3: and- uh, just over, j- almost a month ago, I am freshly, oh, you're just, I'm a little happy baby, birthday, thank you, just a baby, Yeah, hey. um, yeah. Tim
2: and I are fully a decade older than you, so, um, <laughs> But my, my knowledge
3: of film and television and things goes well beyond my years because, again, I was raised <laughs> by it. So I watched a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, TV Land and, and, uh, and Nick at Night and those things. So yeah. I can talk about Chico yeah. and the man all day. As
2: did I. I also, I also grew up on Nick at Night. So um, I was always a weird kid. Yeah. So ask, uh, ask us about uh, using a payphone phone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've done that. Once or twice? Yeah. When my but, cell phone was not was dead? Yeah,
1: when you're at your lowest.
2: Maybe, um, I'm not sure if mine and Tim's memories of, of uh, the equipment will be a little clearer. Um, things like satellite set-top boxes, um, huge satellite dishes, um, and the whole question of, of pay TV. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Now... Uh, which you mentioned earlier that pay TV was uh, very controversial was when it was introduced because um, you know the film industry saw it as a yeah as paying a for air again mm-hmm. yeah um, they they figured that you know diversified um, readily available entertainment would probably cut into their profits which you know um, I like maybe you could say that's the truth since I think people are more likely to stay home and watch movies these days but I think it's for a lot of different reasons mm-hmm. um, and cable but, TV
3: wasn't regulated by the FCC so people thought it would like it would it would uh, ruin us much like television kind of says but uh, yeah people were like if the government isn't controlling everything we watch like on the networks they can show us any old thing yeah they might show something controversial mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's kind of a and it's kind of evoked in the in the movie when you know um, the satellite, tv apparatus is finally up and running and the dad is playing around with the remote and they end up on a porn channel channel mm-hmm. 69 Get it? <laughs>
3: yeah classy i like that he like doesn't i expected the stock dad movie thing of the like oh oh we can't see that and like flip around but he's just like he tells the, the old he tells pops he's like channel 69 pops and they all just watch it for a second i kind of <laughs> like that <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're very progressive the daughter, yeah yeah Yeah,
2: the daughter covers the her her little brother's eyes but everyone else is just like staring at it and great
3: fake porn of just like limbs all like writhing against each other you don't see anything you just see arms and legs rolling over each other which i think is very funny
1: yeah
2: it looks like um it looks like one of those um kind of mondo european sex films from the 70s (laughs) yeah or like you know something one of those like you know, oh, it's a documentary about nudists from Sweden, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But it looks know. like that
1: scene of them uh, making it on the beach from Top Secret where it's like, where, <laughs> you know, how many arms are there? Are there's two people here.
2: <laughs> or like the porn that um, Robert De Niro takes Sybil Shepherd to see in Taxi Driver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a health you know, movie.
2: You know, yeah. You know, those European movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so uh, yeah, like maybe there was a little bit of like a paranoia about like the you know just the tidal wave of garbage that could just be beamed into our homes, Mm -hmm. Um, which seems a little (laughs) quaint in the era of the internet. Yeah, fair point. They
1: had no idea.
2: Yeah, when you can basically access like any like depraved or vile thing. You can think of yeah, especially if you know like how to do it.
3: Yeah, kids can just like watch YouTube and like just, like you mentioned earlier, just can like radicalize into being Nazis because we can't
1: control yeah. anything anymore. Yeah, that's the algorithm at work. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because again, the the algorithm is like well, what gets the most engagement, which is like what's the most controversial. Yeah, it's like I don't care so, what you
1: watch; I just want to keep you watching.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah Prager so you. The Scum. Yeah. Yes, the <laughs> scum floats to the top for sure. Hmm. Um. So yeah, like that's uh again, like the the look at the look at it in television is a little bit quaint. I mean, because yeah, like you're having pornography piped directly into your home but it's one channel. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It's not uh it's not porn tube or you know, Guru Chan or <laughs> like any other <laughs> disgusting yeah. thing you can think of. <laughs> or eight chan for that matter. Oh yeah. For, for for those who like their porn really niche. <laughs> That
1: way. <laughs> Look, she looks like she's nine, but she's actually four hundred years old. It's totally <laughs> like. mm-hmm. um
2: but yeah, like there was also there's also a little bit of a nostalgia factor for me with like the um kind of like the satellite equipment in this movie where like the remote is like bigger than a laptop computer.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's got like it has, a little like, tiny satellite dish on it and it's like yeah, giant buttons.
2: Yeah, like Mm -hmm. Equipment used to be quite unwieldy
1: Yeah, it's like an Intellivision controller
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was something else that I was going to say about um, Pay TV Um, Oh, that's that's Another thing that has kind of Gone by the wayside that the movie Made me think of, and I actually ended up Looking it up and reading a bit about it Was um, The idea of uh people um hacking into satellite broadcasts
3: yes oh god when i was a kid and i we didn't have satellite we always had cable and then you know the rise of digital cable but there were always stories about like because the way a satellite broadcasts is it just sends it out there's no like editing or anything once they send that out and sometimes they would just have like there are stories about like when people would watch um you know like the state of the Union address. Because the satellite signal is being sent out, it's just not being broadcast to televisions yet. If you had your satellite point in the right way, you're just watching the president get ready. Like like there are all kinds of stuff people could figure out to watch things mm-hmm. you're not supposed to see. And as a kid I was so jealous of that, I wanted it so bad. Like I wanted us <laughs> to get a dish. And they're like, We have cable, we have all the channels already. And I was like, I don't I wanna do this crazy thing people are talking about. Yeah, I want a mainline media, like I want the raw feed. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how you get into a uh, video situation, though. So be yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, one do you
1: think handled uh, this looming fear better, Terravision or Video drum?
3: <laughs> I mean, Video drum. It's a better <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah.
2: There's a uh, you know for me there's David Cronenberg and then there's Ted Nicolau, the director <laughs> of Terror Yeah, Vision. Yeah truly not tour
3: the two yeah the two ultimate horror tours. the two man if there's nothing you can learn about uh the modern mores about media that doesn't come from those two guys
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know and uh quick quick aside about uh ted nicolau is that he actually has a screenplay on the blacklist which is the uh the website which collects the best of the best of unproduced screenplays
3: yeah, like okay. the Beaver. Remember the Beaver? Yeah, that was the big Every time they make one of those movies, it ends up not being like something happens and it becomes the Beaver. But uh, I love, <laughs> yeah, I love trolling the blacklist and looking at those things.
2: Yeah, and uh, Ted Nikolaus is called the Cheeseburger Manifesto.
3: Cool. Okay. when's it from? Um, is it from then or is it a, a recent one?
2: I'm not sure, but um, this the the plot summary might give you a clue. Mm-hmm. an arrogant young executive for an american auto company smuggles a million dollars into romania weeks after the 1989 revolution to grease the wheels of the corrupt post-communist bureaucracy
3: whoa that does yeah. sound cool mm.
2: and then the cia and the sec are involved and he falls in love with uh a firebrand of the opposition party which yeah uh if you made this now it would it would 100 be a period piece hmm <laughs> <laughs>
3: That'd be a cool one though that sounds I like that idea. I want to read that now I'm gonna find yeah, you to read it yeah well
2: uh go uh look up Ted Nicolau on the blacklist and yeah. uh, you'll see it um, <laughs> but uh oh, the other thing that I wanted to mention about um you know uh since we were talking about uh, satellite television and um interrupting broadcasts, um, it made me think of a couple of famous incidents in which people broke into satellite broadcasts and were able to. Uh, take over the signal for a short time
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, And the ones I'm thinking of Are the Max Headroom incident uh, For which they have never Been able to find the culprit And the uh, Captain Midnight Incident Which uh, as it turned out Was a guy protesting the high Monthly cost of HBO <laughs> After HBO started Scrambling its, its signals For people who didn't have de-scramblers
3: Was Captain Midnight the one with the, the Whistle no, that's Captain Crunch.
2: Yeah, it, it yeah. was
3: a Captain uh, Crunch whistle, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Whistle yeah. The yeah. Guy.
2: yeah. Now the, we're going way back to the era yeah. of phone freakers. Now, if you <laughs> yeah, want to that, talk yeah. about 2600
1: like hertz signal, yeah.
2: Old ass <laughs> technology, which I wish there was a way to cover that on the show. Yeah, I mean there <laughs> there's, there's is an fascinating.
1: Yeah, there's at least one article about the the Captain Midnight and scrambling um, uh, satellite satellite feeds at the time because mm. yeah like like it, it was before where it just you know you'd point your satellite dish at whatever was uh, you know overhead and then you'd get that signal and then it'd pass and then you'd be done. but yeah then after that it became an issue where you needed a descrambler.
3: yeah that max Headroom thing is like one of my favorite going back to being like a teenager like that's one of the first obsessions I had on the internet. I would watch that video all the time. I, st- I still do every once in a while and it still freaks me out even though it's just a guy it's in legit- a mask.
2: Yeah, it's legitimately unnerving.
3: Yeah. He yeah. He spanks well, himself. Yeah. Um, part of it, too, is that it's
1: just, it's some um, just random person just kind of given the keys to this mass media, which I mean, normally it goes through a lot of these um, gatekeepers before mm-hmm. media goes out. But then, as someone who just short circuited that whole process, and it really, you know, it kind of fucks with your head to be, you know, to be like, oh, you mean I could just like walk into the White House and say, hey, I'm going to be president until. You know people drag me out (laughs) but yeah like it's the notion that you know society is kind of built upon these um sort of you know roles that we assign ourselves and the way that we you know abdicate and uh um and sort of delegate our autonomy to the point where one guy says hey i'm just gonna be on tv because i can and you're like well that's that's not allowed it's like well why isn't it Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah, it does kind of mess with your head in a way
2: Well, and it's also interesting because, like, at the time um, You know, you mentioned that there were, you know Gatekeepers kind of preventing the unwashed masses From accessing, you know, any kind of uh, audience And, you know, that is still true to a certain degree today But there's been a great democratization uh, with the internet and social media, and you know, I think it is like a little bit easier to get your voice out there, like even if you're a lunatic, you know, and you don't have to have a like a thirty foot satellite dish. Yeah. But, you know, and I think it's been—I mean, six you know, feet obvi-
1: will probably suffice, and, <laughs> and the wattage, but yeah.
2: But it's been, uh, you know, it's been it's been a mixed bag, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, at the time, like that kind of um, just like radical act of simply interrupting the feed of a major corporation was like really intoxicating.
1: Yeah. And- yeah. It's like saying I'm going to put a shout out in the Bible or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny because like reading about the guy's experience, um, you know, he I mean, he obviously he was like a, a technically skilled person. You know he was working at a satellite company at the time he'd been running a a a small business uh selling satellite equipment but um when hbo started scrambling their program and not just anyone could access it without buying the hbo equipment you know his business fell off very strongly and so he was motivated to protest you know the the high monthly cost which i think was 12.95 or something like that
0: oof yeah (laughs) yeah highway Um, robbery
2: and, you know, so obviously, you know, um, so this was a technologically savvy guy, but he kind of had the personality of the typical, like, tech nerd where he felt a little bit bad and guilty about doing this. <laughs> um, He's he, like, because when he broke into the, the signal, you know, it went up for a few minutes and um, uh, he broke into a broadcast of uh, on HBO uh, Falcon and the Snowman. And when the signal was discovered, it was kind of funny. There was a brief war between him and the tech on the other end where they both just kept increasing the signal to try to override the other. And then the the other person stopped because they were worried about possibly blowing out their equipment with like a 2,000-watt signal or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: see, don't fight against a guy who's got nothing to lose. <laughs>
2: but then, um, the... the um, And, geez, like... Let me actually look up his name, because I keep just calling him the guy who did it. Um, his na- Mid- Yeah,
1: his name was Captain X Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when you name a kid something like that, you figure his life's going to go a particular direction.
2: Okay, his name was uh, John R. McDougall. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he did the satellite interruption, and then after the brief, um, you know, kind of wattage war, he felt like a little bit scared so he shut it down he went home and then he wasn't able to sleep and uh he felt really bad about it which i think is kind of funny you know like because uh, you can imagine him being you know the kind of guy who's like a little bit of a nerd and maybe like you know is more likely to toe the line than than most people you know what i mean okay like, well, because you know how, like, um, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, kids, you know, in school with nerdy interests, you know, they, they don't want to go against what the teacher says or something like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, I feel like if Tim did it, he'd just be like, fuck all y'all. I'm leaving this shit on all night. you get
1: me. <laughs> It'd be like, well, you know, I, I told you, like, put the, you know, lower your fees.
2: <laughs>
1: That's what I'm saying.
2: But um, he was also, uh, he was also... Proud of what he did, and um, spoke about it on the download like a couple people. But then um, some asshole snitched him out because he heard him McDougal talking about it in a in a payphone booth.
1: Uh, yeah, see, that's why you don't use payphones anymore. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's dangerous. The you know the government's eyes are everywhere.
2: But it's like that sucks so much. Like you know, ratting the guy out. Like fuck you, dude. <laughs> He should
3: yeah. have a anyway, uh, yeah. corporation. Like what a, like what do you got to gain from that?
2: Yeah, dick move. Like, oh no, like I'm happy paying thirteen bucks a month for HBO. Yeah. It's it's good. Um <laughs> It's where I get my <laughs>
1: entertainment from, you guys.
2: But um it's, it's uh, This important. is pre billions. Like what's even more? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, um, it caused like a brief cultural uh, fur and, you know, people were calling it video terrorism. And,
0: uh, <laughs> yikes. That's a cool name for incendiary. a movie.
2: <laughs> there was a relatively happy ending. The guy, I think the guy got off with like a $5,000 fine and probation. Like he didn't go to jail for it. So hmm.
1: Well, I would hope not.
2: But Captain Midnight lives on in our hearts.
1: Yes. And in you our know, media.
2: Like, but like, look at how they treat hackers these days. Yeah, like it's kind of the same thing. What? where it's like I mean, like you can fucking like beat your wife to death and get like five years, but you break into like a corporation's like.
1: Well, again, it's the know, same as like private with the...
2: data. Then they, they send you. They want to send you up for twenty five to life.
1: Yeah, you know? it's the same thing as with a you know Max Headroom pirate signal. It, it upends the order of things, and that's the real yes. transgression. Yeah, because it's like, hey, you know, like, you know, people are going to die in car accidents, you know, you know, uh, spouses are going to get beaten, you know, schools are going to get shot up. That's just the way it is. But you do not fuck with TV.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I covered that. We talked a little bit about the cast. We talked about the Greek character. Some hilarious gay panic jokes for you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I think, was that guy supposed to be bisexual?
3: Yeah, because he wanted to, to fuck, uh, what was her name? The woman he yeah, came he with. Wants, yeah.
2: yeah, he wants to, like, because he gets in the pool with her, and then, um, you know, yeah. it's all gooped up from the the alien. Yeah, yeah. it's a very goopy movie overall. Yeah, it, is,
3: it is, yeah. yeah he slimy. asked her for a quickie. Yeah, they're swingers. Like the all bets are movie. off. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah and um, I like that it's, like, so, like, the gay panic jokes are bad, but they only come from the two idiots. Like, I think it's a thing that people miss a lot in movies that have jokes like that. Like, they're bad jokes, and they shouldn't be in the movie, but at least the people with the wrong opinions are shown to always be morons, just like in, in Chasing <laughs> Amy with a character that ended up being gay, but people get upset that he was homophobic, but it's like, he's always shown to be wrong and an idiot, and then he's also gay.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true, and um, you, like, it's definitely a, a, a disease today where um people and we we talk about it constantly on here people aren't able to tell the difference between like uh depicting and condoning something yeah like whatever this movie took place in the 80s you know where it's like you still have kind of like dumb frat comedies and yeah seinfeld's
3: full of it and nobody dings them they'll ding friends but not seinfeld Hmm.
2: oh yeah that's true huh yeah although like i feel like like uh Seinfeld kind of put a hat on it with the like, I'm well, not that there's anything wrong with that, you know. They but, do, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, that is kind of their enduring legacy at this point. I like, you can't <laughs> but, not mention that.
2: But you know, maybe it's not woke of me, but like to me it is real like it is kind of funny for like like a gross swinger to invite a couple home and then for the guy to be like, "Hey, like you and me, dude." And then for her <laughs> to be like, "What?"
3: <laughs> yeah, what does he like, say? He's like, "I got to tell him about the facts of life or something like that." Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, you can't, you can't put a penis in an anus.
3: <laughs> but they rhyme.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, <And> it's <laughs> just like Adam and like Steve. Steve. I don't know. Like the, yeah. <laughs> they go together. And
2: I feel, I feel like, you know, obviously the joke is like, oh, the guy's Greek. Get it. But, like, the um, you know, the whole home is decorated with, like, a Roman motif. Mm-hmm. But did, did the Romans get up to that kind of? Uh,
1: well, the, their yeah. Greek guest mistakes it for Greek. And then he's like, then he corrects him as Roman. Yeah, which even is, if they again, didn't, that's for sure. don't know
3: about it. It happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. <laughs> there was some
3: stuff going on there.
2: Oh, everyone yeah, was nailing
3: each other. There's,
2: <laughs> there's just so much to say about this film's take on ancient history. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very thematically rich. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the amount
1: of pre-production that went into the story is really amazing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, wrote, I wrote my thesis <laughs> at UArts about terror vision. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh another thing we should talk about is uh, horror hosts uh, which yeah. Tim mentioned when he brought up Medusa
1: yeah uh, yeah, it, yeah I, I don't know where you want to go with that it was just yeah that was a, a, they're
3: a cool a thing yeah they're cool and I just uh, watched Deadwood yeah. again and you know that's one of the best movies about that yes
2: yeah. And uh, we should also mention, as we do regularly, our friends at B Movie TV, who are uh, tr- kind of trying to bring the uh, the concept back.
1: It's it's hard harder than you think, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because. Am I
2: gonna have to cut more out? <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Uh no yeah just because you know my like the kind of uh, gold standard is you know Cassandra Peterson's Elvira uh, certainly the one that's made the biggest. I think most lasting impression. Um well and
2: she's broken into the mainstream to some degree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there is a a place for it and you know, you can see that on you know any kind of like YouTube reaction, you know, video or 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 you know any other media criticism channel. Um but uh but yeah, it's hard to be you know loquacious off the cuff, I guess.
2: Well, there's that and also people um like people will do characters, but it's, it'll, it's like the nostalgia critic, and it sucks, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> Fuck that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just always it's hear like, people
3: be so nice to him on a podcast because there were. He's one of those guys who were like, "What if he hears it?" But that guy sucks. Oh, like, <laughs> like, like, like,
2: Fuck him and fuck his stupid gimmick. Like, I could never watch more than, like, 10 seconds of the fucking Nostalgia Critic because he's not good at what he does. I just wanted to put something
3: behind him and get a new camera. Like, come on. It's been, like, 20 years, and it looks the same as it's always been. Get a table that's slightly lower. I'm tired of you hunching your shoulders up when you're sitting at that table and your jacket looks all weird. Didn't you ever see friggin... Uh, just, just do it. Just like watch any show where people sit at a table and it doesn't look like your table. Yeah, just it doesn't it have better. to be
1: network. Just yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little effort into it. Now, we got to slow yeah, down I mean, though because I mean, are we trashing Leonard Maltin or are we trashing Nostalgia Critic? Like we
3: got to keep our ducks in a row here. Well, yeah. I mean, I I <laughs> I, I will try I will make fun of Leonard Maltin, but I love him dearly. I don't love yeah. a Nostalgia Critic. The guy who mistreated well, everyone who ever worked for him and shoved people in an attic and all the shit that he yeah. That yeah, sounds like he's a murderer, a which he's not, but
2: Yeah, uh, well, like, that we know of. Yeah. Yeah, when that when that document dump came out about Channel Awesome, like I I read all 75 pages. Oh,
3: wow. I didn't do that. I just went to the names I recognized.
2: Yeah, well, I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. But at the same time, I was like, oh, man, this is so choice. (laughs) You know, because I I have never been a fan of that type of media crit, um, you know, apart from, you know, there are a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of. people who are actually good at it you know like i enjoy red letter media and i like um angry video game nerd um but like angry video game nerd like he improved his production values as he went on like nostalgia critic just never got any better
1: (laughs) yeah he he found a rut and he stuck with it so
3: yeah it's just Um, it's weird to me that when you look at nostalgia critic now he's he's reviewing stuff from like The late 2000s, and I'm like, wow, this is weird because that's when I like watched you. (laughs) Like, it's just like, (laughs) whose nostalgia is this now? (laughs) Drake and Josh or whatever. I don't think I don't know if he's done that exactly, but he does stuff like in that window, and I'm like, that's fucked up. That just that just doesn't sit right with me.
2: Someone should review him, and they could be the nostalgia nostalgia critic. (laughs) Oh (laughs) uh, yeah,
3: I think you should.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jen, you put that idea out in the world. You got to make it happen.
2: Oh, well, let me, let me get my stupid-ass tie. Yeah, to wear with <laughs> your... Oh, uh, that yeah. girl with glasses. <laughs> um, so, uh is available on Blu-ray. It was released on Blu-ray. Um, so it can be had um, as a physical disc. Mm-hmm. Which we were talking yeah,
1: about. Yeah, to bring over to your friend's house on a summer afternoon. and Yeah,
3: it's a shout yeah. factory. Oh, and it's, uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, for some reason, television is always packaged with the video dead, which is not a great movie. I don't know why. Like, they always get added to streaming services at the same time. They're always packaged together. I guess it's some kind of producer thing that ties yeah. them together. That movie it's is fine. It's not as great. It's interesting. The pretty it's pretty girl
1: and her friend. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the yeah.
2: only way they can sell it is with a better movie
3: maybe yeah. yeah maybe just t- tie it to the amazing Terrorvision.
2: <laughs> i mean no one like probably no one's gonna buy video dead by itself so
3: yeah and the the, the poster's it. a total lie like video dead is not it's kind of about zombies coming out of the tv but not really it's just i don't know what, what the, <laughs> that movie's where i saw it in the theater once and sat
2: through it now on the other hand the poster for Terrorvision is on point because yeah. it's got the satellite dish with lightning uh striking it and the eye of the alien mm-hmm. and tentacles coming out of it designed you know, before you know, the script was written
3: so the poster <laughs> this movie is a poster <laughs> first movie which is a very charles band thing
2: that's fantastic yeah
3: that's uh in that movie i mentioned uh rewind this they talk about that process of like coming up with an amazing poster and then like all right what's the movie now because the poster it takes a long time to paint a poster it doesn't take very long to make a charles band yeah. movie
1: <laughs> yeah, you gotta have like some, you know, artistry and talent to go into making a good movie poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't just slap it together over a weekend. <laughs> well, um that kinda, I think that uh, um this, I mean
2: Tim is sorry, go ahead. No, Tim. I was gonna
1: say this briefly reminds me of um, you know, when John Woo was uh celebrating what is like the thirtieth anniversary of uh was it the killer? And uh, he was talking about when he would go into to making a movie and, um, you know, he'd go to the producers asking for money, and they'd be, okay, great, John, yeah. Um, what's this movie about? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're just going to figure it out as we shoot. And, like, well, he found a way to make it work. Yeah. That's Gently very... will kick a man. That's what the movie's yeah.
0: about. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a very Hong Kong approach. Yeah. yeah. It's I like,
1: mean... yeah. And, I mean, again, like, in, in the interview, he's like, well, I'm going to need um, 30 extras and 100 stuntmen. It's like, okay, well, um, <laughs> you seem to know what you're doing. <laughs> we'll
2: give them something to do, believe me.
1: Yeah. But, Jen, you were saying.
2: I don't remember. I think I was going to say about. We were uh, talking about
1: how you know putting a movie poster together is an actual piece of work.
2: Well, that's like, I mean, you know, uh, much like Troma or Corman, or this is. Uh, you know cranking them out as fast as you can make them so i mean and the fact that they were able to get like a pretty entertaining movie out of like a poster concept mm-hmm. is uh you know i mean you know props like that's pretty good actually yeah you know
1: me. you kind of take a take a leap of faith and eventually you know every once in a while you end up where you where you want to go
2: so what do we think is like the overarching theme of terror vision is it is it just kind of a a screed against the depraved American media mind or I mean what do you guys think? these
1: are all archetypes taken from you know the time period and they just you know kind of throw them into the situation uh, Matt, what do you think
3: i th- I think so yeah, it's definitely about. Uh, the the mores around uh, modern media consumption, but it's also kind of celebrating those, like the daughter loving MTV and getting excited about it, the parents enjoying television. You know, it's just about. I think it's about like enjoying TV in moderation, I guess. Which uh, <laughs> pre binge culture was a thing we worried about. Now we're all like, uh, you have to watch it all tonight, or someone will spoil it for you?" You know, like yeah, I don't know. The most important yeah. thing to take away from this podcast, I think, is that. Uh, uh, Leonard Malton gave The Phantom Menace three stars. <laughs> That's the thing I learned today that I'm going to carry with me. for all We time. need to have him my on life. here just to, to answer for his crimes. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave episode two two stars and episode three also three stars. So Malton likes... Malton's uh, a prequel defender. I bet Malton wants the Snyder Cut to come out. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I was
2: actually thinking of, um you know, since the podcast wars are a thing on, on left Twitter, of uh, just... <laughs> Creating a huge feud with like Struggle Session, who where they have defended the prequels. Oh, they love them. And how? Um, how? I think how does one <laughs> even? <laughs> you don't. You don't need me to explain uh, how Tim and I feel about them from that that comment. I think, uh, you know, we're still we're still. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people talk about complex. We still have complex PTSD from when we went to the village to see them on opening night after waiting in line. Like, uh, yeah. and there are little pieces of us that will never be able to get back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: people talk about you know a pre and post 9/11 world, but I mean, yeah, we saw *A* *Phantom Menace* on opening night. Like, mm. things
3: are never <laughs> the same after that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge well, prequel
3: defender, but I, I have. Ever since I was a kid, I I actually have liked them more than most people. I don't think they're good, but I think there's uh, they're very interesting, which I really appreciate. I think there's plenty in there to to see and and appreciate. Is I I agree with
1: what means? Matt said about them not being very good. <laughs>
2: Does this fit into my theory that? Uh, younger people are more forgiving towards them because perhaps they watched them growing up Yes, because we were college age. I believe
3: that too. I think that is totally true. I also think that removing them from the cultural context in which they came out, which is a a thing for a lot of movies. Like this has happened in in good ways for a long time. Like uh, I think Clueless was the big one I noticed where for years people in TV and the internet and stuff would be like, oh that's just a dumb kids movie that came out in the 90s. And I would be like, no, it's like one of the best movies ever. And then when people my age started being the voices of, you know, film Twitter and film uh, reviews online, it became like, no, that's like a great movie. I'm trying to push that with airheads. I think it's time for airheads. To oh, be.
2: right. A lot of people love airheads.
3: <laughs> I love airheads and people always like gave it shit. But uh, I think that is definitely a thing that happens, you know, it happens with horror movies. I think it happens with a lot of stuff. And we're, yeah, we're experiencing it with the prequels as a big thing right now.
2: Well, maybe um maybe the time is ripe for terror vision.
3: Yeah. Let's do that. Let's start Terrorvision's Renaissance. Recommend. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Four <laughs> bombs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I love this movie. Uh I think it's very fun. I think that it I think it deserves to be one of those weird eighties movies people recommend each other. Like like a like a Night of the Comet or a, even a you know, it's not as good as that they live, but I think think it's in that same kind of facet. Or a uh, Repo Man, like for some reason it makes you think of Repo Man because it's also kind of about consumption of uh, media and trash culture and stuff. So like that might be a good double feature. You know, watch this in Repo Man. <laughs> Do that, everybody. <Yeah>. <laughs>